BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. I can't decide if I'm a great neighbor or a terrible neighbor. I really can't. Am I a bad neighbor because, you know, I'm not in, I'm not really all that interested in, in uh, making a bunch of small talk and, you know, like, I like my neighbors, but I'm not all that interested in that uh, plate of cookies at the doorstep, all that stuff. Anna does that. Like, that's her thing. I can't decide if I'm a bad neighbor or a good neighbor. And I'm thinking about the neighborhood disagreements that are going on around the country. I wrote it today at johnconzano.com. There's a fierce one that has happened in the last couple of months in Lake Oswego. Oh, that. That delicate suburban city, Lake Oswego. Well, there was an uproar last month. I wrote all about it at johnconzano.com today. At the center of the controversy, pickleball. That's right, pickleball. You know, the paddles, that game, that uh, that recreational social game that so many people are playing. Fastest growing sport in America. We're going to talk about pickleball. You know, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Kevin Durant, LeBron, all these celebrities are investing in the pickleball world, in teams and in leagues, and these facilities are popping up. But uh, one of the things that has happened... Uh, and we've touched on it on this show, but it's happened across the country, is that uh, a lot of parks and a lot of playgrounds, a lot of public uh, facilities that had tennis courts have converted the tennis courts into pickleball courts. And no different in Lake Oswego, Oregon, where George Rogers Park, like, I don't live in Lake Oswego, but I've been to George Rogers Park. It's a nice park. Like, it's a nice, big, healthy, quiet, serene park. And they had these old rundown tennis courts. And, in fact, Anna and I one time went over to George Rogers Park on a summer day, and there was nobody around. And we brought a couple of tennis rackets, and we hit tennis balls. And I uh, lamented that, uh, you know, tennis is a young man's game. And unless you can adequately just hit the ball back and forth and kind of rally with each other, it's uh, it becomes a little laborious, right? Well, they converted the tennis courts at George Rogers Park into pickleball courts. This was in 2015, seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. They, uh, you know, they uh, just decided, hey, nobody's using these things. They're run down. There's a demand for pickleball. This is an emerging market. And statistically, when you look at what is happening with pickleball uh, in the millions and millions of people that are playing it, you know, 36.5 million people played pickleball last year. It's the fastest-growing sport in the country. And George Rogers Park happens to be one of only 10,320 places that you can go and play pickleball on a real pickleball court. Well, uh, what happened in 2015 when the city converted the tennis courts for pickleball use, you may have heard about this, is that uh, an army of uh, retirees armed with paddles and pickleball balls descended upon the park. They brought their towels, they brought their water bottles, they brought their dad jokes, they brought their white socks pulled up uh, over their calves. They arrived early in the morning, they stretched out along the fences, some of them wore headbands, some of them brought their significant others, and uh, they played doubles, some of them played singles, but it became a big social thing. And, uh, you know, from morning 
until uh, dark, uh, people played pickleball and used the park. And, you know, people would drive by and go, you know, that park's alive and well. It's doing well. But the neighbors around the park were not so happy. And I know this because I tuned in to the Lake Oswego City Council meeting that was from January the 17th. And there's a YouTube video out there. It's nearly five hours long if you want to watch it. I watched all five hours of it. You don't, I'll save you the trouble. Uh, they talked about a whole bunch of different things, not just pickleball, but about the first 45 minutes of that five-hour meeting were uh, dedicated to citizens airing their laundry, so to speak, on the pickleball subject. One woman said, it sounds like a car alarm or a barking dog when they're hitting the pickleballs. Another said, hey, this is, our, uh, this is privacy. It's an invasion of privacy in my home. I'm hearing the whack, 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 and the noise is unbearable. Other people testified that this is a social thing, that this is what a park's designed for. And, hey, this was a park before you moved into the neighborhood. Other people yet said, hey, it was a park, but once uh, they, uh, they modified the courts, it became a different kind of park. Uh, one, one guy, David Dunning, brought, even brought a couple of paddles and some noise-reduced, like these special balls to the meeting. And he said, hey, nobody forced these people to live by a park. Another guy, a senior citizen, said, this is my thing. It's a social thing. And he pointed out that, hey, for, for people who are aging, that you know, playing this sport is healthy. Uh, social interaction it helps with a variety of ailments. People are healthier, they live longer, they're more connected to the world, but most notably, it is an uh, anecdote for, for loneliness. That kind of tugged on my heart a little bit, because I saw that this was a senior citizen who was saying, don't take away my connection to my social life. This is very important to me. Well, I don't know if there is a right answer or a wrong answer to this, and I don't know if I'm a good neighbor or a bad neighbor. Uh, but they even had noise experts who testified that the decibel level can drive a person bonkers. And other people said, hey, they could build a structure. And then the city council, to their credit, pointed out that they already tried uh, some sound reduction methods, and they did not work. Um, this is a topic that isn't going to be unique to Lake Oswego. West Lynn is now dealing with it. Tanner Park in the West Lynn area. Uh, the Westland City Council fielding email complaints and uh, public complaints from the neighbors who are upset about the noise there. Uh, as I search uh, on the Internet, I find these kinds of things popping up across the country. And, in fact, I was on Salt Lake City Radio today, ESPN 700 with the great Bill Riley, and we talked a lot, all about pickleball. We didn't talk about the Pac-12 conference. We talked about this emerging sport. Uh, how great it is, and simultaneously how annoying and obnoxious it can be for people who live adjacent to a park. There is no fence sitting on this show. You know the name of the show. It's the bald-faced truth. You must spit your truth on this show. And I got to tell you, I, I, I understand more than most the need for privacy. I understand if somebody was setting up a pickleball court all of a sudden in the street in front of my house, I'd probably be upset about it. I would probably be out there shaking a fist at him. Uh, I also try to look for compromises and say, hey, can you, uh, can you play with uh, sound-reduced balls? Hey, uh, can you play only during certain hours? Hey, can you play? Like, I start thinking about those things because I want it to work for everybody. But in the end, I'm kind of with the pickleball players on this one. I want to know where you are. 503-417-7575. You tell me when it comes to these kinds of issues and they're gonna pop up everywhere because this sport is not going away ESPN 
this year is going to televise 200 hours of live pickleball coverage. They announced they're going to do it. The sport's blowing up, and the noise in the suburbs uh, is not going to stop. Now, Lake Oswego, the city council, listened to the residents last month. They weighed the dilemma, and they voted to shut down the pickleball courts at George Rogers Park, effective immediately. This left a whole bunch of players going, where do we go, where do we go? And they're out looking for places to go. Now, there is a facility in Clackamas. It's called Rex, R-E-C-S. And uh, they are now, uh, you know, welcoming people with open arms, but they are nearly at capacity as well. Their courts are open 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. They're indoors. And uh, Kevin Richards, who uh, owns and operates the place, told me this morning he's operating at 90% capacity between 8 a.m. and 10 p.m. every day. He would love to open two or three more facilities, I'm sure. He said it's so busy, we're having good problems. Uh, And he welcomes the noise. Like, hey, this is part of the sport. This is part of what it's about. But I want you to tell me. Like, I don't, I don't play pickleball. I don't totally uh, understand. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the diehard pickleball thing. Like, it's is it social? Is it athletic? Is it some combination of the two? But I've gone out and hit the ball around with the kids. The kids like to play. The eight-year-old in our household likes to play the sport. I have friends who play who swear by it. They play with their spouses. They get out on the court and play doubles. And I walk by the court, and I see the ball going back and forth. Back and forth it goes. And I go, okay, that looks cool for a while. But I've not actually been out there and played in a game where people kept score. But I want you to weigh in on this. Tell me, who are you with? Are you with the neighbors who say, this is too loud, this isn't the park that we, uh, you know, that we uh, bought a house next to, it's changed, the use of the park has changed. Are you with the players who say, hey, this is a pickleball uh, you know, society, and welcome to America, and if people want to be active, they're going to go to parks, and they're going to play pickleball on tennis courts. Who are you with on this front? 503-417-7575. Uh, I'm sure a number of businesses are popping up pickleball-related. There's some franchises out there that do uh, pickleball and chicken, and it's called Chicken and Pickle, and uh, they're popping up across the country. Uh, Rex has got this great facility, RECS in Clackamas, uh, I want to hear from you. 503-417-7575. Let's go to Dave, who's in Portland. Dave, what do you make of this? Yeah, well, I uh, I got to say, I for the most part, I side with the uh, pickleball players. I think, you know, you're at a park, uh, and uh, that's just, it, it's tough. I understand it is loud. There's no question about it. It's loud, but you're at a park, and, the you know, you're going to get four times, you can get four times as many pickleball courts as you can on a tennis court. Uh, and the amount of people that want to play, it's just, it's a, it's an incredible activity. And actually, I'm, uh, my family and I are in the process of building a, uh, a new facility out on Northeast 82nd. We're going to have five indoor courts, six hmm. outdoor courts. It's a 42,000 square foot building. It's called the People's Courts. We're also going to have uh, several bocce ball courts, cornhole, uh, six to ten ping pong tables, and two full uh, restaurants and bars, and an arcade. Nice. I like we that. We should be open this summer. Yeah, we should be open this summer. It's I feel like I should be investing place. with you. Like I feel like I should be like Dave. I need to get in on this. Yeah. Like this is such an. Where'd you get the idea? Well, I'm I'm a tennis player. I played college tennis and uh, grew up playing pickleball a little bit because I grew up here in Portland and it kind of had bled down from Seattle. So I've always played kind of off and on. And uh, I know some people who have, you know are out on the pro tour playing pickleball and it's just obviously it's growing so fast. So. 
we've had this property. It's the former uh, Lumberyard Indoor Bike Park over on Northeast 82nd. was the former bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And for the last, I don't know, three or four years, we thought, man, that would be an incredible place for a large pickleball facility. Now you're doing it. And, uh, and we're doing it. We're going to open this Good summer. Uh, we're in the middle of construction. And things are moving along. And, yeah, so, uh, like I said, five indoor, six outdoor courts. It's going to yep. be open to the public. You know, All right. Well, let's talk after you open this that. bad boy. Uh, I'll come by and see you. Let's go to Jerry and Clackamas. Jerry, uh, you opening a facility as well? <laughs> go ahead, Jerry. <laughs> I may. I'm tempted after listening to, uh, to uh, your discussion with him. Uh, you know, I, have, I haven't played pickleball. My sister does. My other friends I have do. Uh, everybody loves it. His number one, what I think, is that if, first of all, I am in favor of the pickleball players, but if there was sort of like hours after which the noise level should be down, like there is in most areas, in most parks, you know, most small communities have stuff like that or bigger communities, Anything that gets people outdoor and moving in something that is any type of fitness that has some degree of social aspect as well, you know, is is just a healthy thing. You know, I mean. Sure. I, yeah. I but what do you make? Do, do you do you have any empathy for the neighbors, though? The, because the neighbors moved in. They had a nice, peaceful tennis court. They had some swings. They had some slides. They had a park. And now they got all day long. Well, I do, but I go by on a walk in, in Selwood at Park area, and I see people playing there. And, I mean, granted, there's more, uh, you know, space around before you get to where the neighbors would be. Um, but the thing that, to me, it just isn't that loud. And you could have some wild kids or you could have, uh, you know, I know there's no skate park there, but, I mean, there could be, there's a number of things that could make something uh, be louder than what somebody originally thought. So if it's, and you know, I'm not out there monitoring their specific area. So, so, you know, maybe there needs to be some limitations on that or some, uh, you know, looking at it so that everybody. Yeah. I look, I think it's a deep discussion with a lot of tentacles. Steven, who are you with? Are you with the players? Are you with the neighbors? I'm with the players on this one. Uh, I kind of agree with the caller there. Anything to get someone out and be active and having fun, you know, with your friends or just even social. I think that's good. I think it's good for everybody. I do have, um, you know, I do feel bad for the neighbors a little bit. You know, I, I, it sounds, you know, I've never been around the sound of a pickleball. But by all accounts, it's very loud. But, you know, I feel like in all neighborhoods, there's sounds all the time, whether it's a barking dog or a crying child or something like that. Like, I, you know, I'm not a big animal guy, so I don't like hearing dogs all around my neighborhood. But, like, I'm not going to complain about dogs barking in the middle of the night. So I just feel like in all the neighborhoods, you're going to hear sounds. And so I don't know why pickleball is such a hot topic for people to complain about and say you need to get out of the neighborhood it's not like they're doing something bad they're just playing a game and having fun so i mean i think there needs to be some type of uh parameters of time limits and stuff but at the same time like if you're just out there to play pickleball and have fun i'm all for it like go do that 
We need Judah on this discussion. Uh, Peter Sampson, how did, where are you side on this one? Yeah, I mean, if I could be totally honest, this is Lake Oswego homeowner entitlement to the max, and I have no sympathy whatsoever. Now, if a noise ordinance is being violated and you can point to some sort of municipal code, then you've got a point. Otherwise, oh, no, not my noise during the day. Like, deal with it. There's noises in every neighborhood. People are going to use the park. Sometimes there's sound. Sometimes there's not. I have no sympathy whatsoever. Neighbors, where are you? You're not the bad guy here. 503-417-7575. You got the BFT. Leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. You're not a bad guy if you don't want pickleball in your neighborhood. I got to be honest, like uh, a whole bunch of us going, hey, we're with the players, we're with the players. And right up until the point where they put the court in next to your house or they change the tennis court to a pickleball court, uh, I just a quick search across the country. These kinds of discussions and debates are happening all over the country, all over the country. One of the biggest hotbeds for pickleball is Cincinnati, Ohio. This is happening in the suburbs of Cincinnati. It's happening everywhere. Uh, I want your phone calls at 503-417-7575. We are talking about the fastest-growing sport in America. Judah Newby, you happen to live by a pickleball court. Oh, I do. Spit some truth. Um, it's the worst. Pickleball's the worst, okay? If you have a, a newborn child, it's the absolute worst. Even if you don't, it's the absolute worst. <laughs> All right, it, no matter how, what way you slice it, it's the worst. You know what, John? You came on here a couple weeks ago. You said, I came back from the state of Arizona. Everyone's talking about this. It's not just a Portland problem. Nope. My prediction for 2023 is that pickleball is going to move to an indoor sport. And mm. I was like, I was fist pumping in my car. I was like, yes, because you know why? It's always been an indoor sport. It's not supposed to be an outdoor sport. And even if it is, it's supposed to be like way far away from anybody's houses and i know i'm siding with like the quote-unquote old people here and normally i don't do that but the old people are right in this scenario <laughs> i got married what do you say what do you say to peter sampson who says you know what you're an elitist snob uh peter is an elitist snob so i don't know really... no no <laughs> peter's a man of the people oh i see what you're saying peter's a man of the people well okay well we could talk about that for five minutes and expose that for what it is but yeah uh look the the fact of the matter is even if you are a plebeian, which I generally am a plebeian. I'm not a patrician. I'm a plebeian. Uh, Googling plebeian. Uh, you know, Rome, okay. Roman. Commoner. Uh, exactly. Okay. Yeah, right. go, classical Rome, pretty much. <laughs> uh, I'm, I side with the plebs. That's what I do. But guess what? This is, this is a legitimate problem even for plebs. What we got to have is just curfews. That's really what we need. Summertime at these pickleball courts, John, I kid you not. People are out there playing pickleball at 5.30 in the morning in my neighborhood. That's unacceptable. I've got a six-month-old at the time, and she can't sleep. I went out to that pickleball court five times in a month at least to ask people to not play pickleball before 8 a.m. That's all I'm asking. Really, it should be like 9 What do they say? What's your reaction when you walk out there? I'm assuming you're in your bathrobe. Your hair is all mussy, yeah. and you're going, "Hey guys," and you're, and, and you know, you're trying to be nice. What do they say to you? Uh, first, for me, I size up who's playing. Is it, is it <laughs> you know, is it a couple of young teenage girls just having fun? Like you got to approach that with a certain amount of uh, gentleness. 
If it's like two older fellows, which that often happens, if it's an elderly couple, you, but my thing is say less, but say it directly. I walk out there and I say, I've got a pregnant wife or I've got a young baby at the time because this is back-to-back summers now for me. It's a problem. Yeah. And here we go. It's almost summertime again. You right. just say, they're sleeping. You're being too loud. You shouldn't be playing pickleball before 9 a.m. is what I say. And do they leave often or do they just go, uh, serve? I've done this. whose serve is it? I, exactly. <laughs> I've had this done six uh, six or seven times last, oh, sum- last summer alone. Oh, and six times I was successful. Because, wow. by the way, there's another pickleball court in my neighborhood just on the other side of the neighborhood. Mm. I said, go play there. But people are like... That pickleball court's not as good as your pickleball court. And I'm like, I know, but you you can't play here. Have you tried sabotaging the court? Like, you know, taking the net down, making the surface not uneven, you know, have you have you have you thought about this? The net may or may not be in much worse shape now than before we moved in. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So but, Judah, you're yeah. with the neighbors. This was not the designed use of the court when you moved in. Yes. It was adapted from a tennis court to a pickleball court. There's plenty of churches that have pickleball courts. Uh, go check those out. It's an indoor right. sport. Get it okay. out of my neighborhood. That's why you come to this show. You get the full story. John's in Oregon City. John, where are you on this debate? Well, I'm I'm one of the senior citizens, but I disagree with uh, the fact that you can't use a, a city park. Mm. Uh, I coached baseball and softball for 30 years, and Lake Ridge High School used to play their ball games at George Rogers Park. Yeah. And it's hard for me, and there was tournaments there every weekend. So it's hard for me to believe that the pickleball is more of an irritation than a tournament that starts at 7 or 8 in the morning and goes till dark. Um, but, you know, I can see where it could be a, an irritation for people. And the yeah. other problem is those indoor facilities are good, but they're also a for-profit. So yeah. there's a lot of people that get cut out um, if they have to pay a fair amount of money just to go uh, be for their recreation. Have you ever, while you're playing, John, have you ever had a neighbor come out and confront you or, or say, hey, come on, or have, has that ever happened? Sure. What's the, What and, are those experiences like? Well, it's, again, like Juna just said, you kind of have to size up who you're dealing with. <laughs> um, you know, and if it's, <laughs> if it's a guy with a gun or a, or a baseball bat, you uh, <laughs> tend gun. to back off. But if... If it's a neighbor that's genuinely concerned, then you ask them what their primary concern is and, and uh, try to mitigate it. You know, if we're playing, if we're doing warm-ups or, or batting practice or something close to their house, we'll move to a different part of the field. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it, it amazes me the people that live near an airport or a park and then bitch about the noise. Yeah. Uh, that's the whole point of having a park is for the community to be able to recreate and, and socialize uh, without having to spend a whole lot of money. They're already paying taxes, so that's what the park is for. Yeah, and, and if look they find uh, a use, if you've got a park that has nobody in it, and then all of a sudden you find a use where you've got 50 or 100 people a day, isn't that kind of the point of having the park? Yeah. They, well, they were saying that you, they had the ability to have, like, you know, four people on a court, and they had four courts, and those courts were just all day long. Uh, you know, I probably, I think that the issue in a community, in, in a lot of suburban communities, is not necessarily going to be that weekend play that's between normal business hours. It's going to be the unexpected, hey, it's Thursday, 7 a.m., 
why who's out there playing right now like this is you know or judah you can you can tell me like if you are what what's the worst offense like is is it just the morning stuff or is it the all day long or is it people stretching on the fence or is it the dad jokes that are being told like what? Give us the rest of the story. Well, unfortunately, Judah did leave the studio. Oh, um, there he goes. But uh, I've never seen him so hot about a t- about a topic. I know. Like he was on fire yeah. about it. He so it this must, morning. It must, it must be really bad. And that's my thing, John. I've never heard a pickleball be hit. Is it really that bad? It's. I've stood there and watched, and I thought I actually think the sound of the ball getting hit by the paddle is rather pleasant. It's kind of. It's kind of got a. It's got a. It's got a comforting sound to it. But I don't live next to it, and I don't hear it for eight hours a day. And I could gather that if, like, like some of the people who testified in front of the city council, they were very passionate about it, and they were talking about it like it's driving me mad. One woman compared it to having six drum sets in her garage and having people uh, come by and play the drums and then no. walk off laughing. That's what she said. Yeah, not even close. As someone who has a drum set, not even yeah. close. Well, I, and, and then other people are going, well, wait a minute. As long as we're talking about noise, let's talk about leaf blowers. How about leaf blowers in the neighborhood? So I think this debate is just beginning. We'll talk about it and touch about on it uh, throughout the show and keep you posted. But we have so much more ahead. Punch It Audio is coming up. Uh, we will, uh, Anna will pop in. What's your peeve? We're going to do that today. If you have a pickleball peeve, bring it. Uh, also, we'll tell you what's on tap for the weekend. Leave it here. You got the BFT. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I I'm just so over the Kyrie Irving stuff. I, I'm sorry. What I support today, I just I couldn't. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Kyrie Irving apparently uh, demanding a trade or requesting a trade. How do you want to put this? Adrian Wojnarowski with the report. You, know, you look at the trade request ahead of Thursday's deadline. I'm told it did not come uh, with any preferred teams. The market is limited for him. Uh, how you know Teams who would bring him in who would want him as part of the organization, but also would they? what is their willingness to give him uh, something closer, the entirety of what he wants this offseason? Certainly, you know, listen, the Lakers are going to have interest uh, in talking to the Nets, I'm told. Uh, but for Kyrie Irving, he may be in a similar situation as he was last summer, where by asking out now, you know, he doesn't necessarily have that max offer to walk out the door with mm. next summer. And But certainly, this Nets team has been upended by this trade request today, which largely, again, came uh, because the Nets and Irving and his agent uh, could not agree on terms of an extension uh, that would have started with next season. And Irving did not want to wait till the offseason mm. to continue those conversations. Look, I don't blame Brooklyn. They are reluctant right now because they don't trust Kyrie Irving. They don't trust that he will be reliable. They don't trust that he will be available. They don't trust that he will perform at a high level and remain controversy-free. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be some market resistance for a guy that is a really talented player but is uh, unreliable and not to be trusted as a basketball player, he's in the final year of a deal that pays him almost $37 million. He wants four years and about $198 million. And, uh, you know, he, uh, 
he will, uh, I think, get some resistance from teams who have to be in the same boat as the Nets. They've seen this up close. Now, the Mavericks and Lakers have both expressed interest in him in the past. I'm sure they'll find a home for him. But, uh, you know, I, I keep hearing about the Phoenix Suns, but I think the new owner of the Suns, you know, Matt Ishbia, uh, that guy is not going to want to come in and hitch his wagon right away, so to speak, to Kyrie Irving. There's just no way. So uh, I think it's going to take a win-now team that is sitting off the pace that views Kyrie Irving as the you know the piece that could put them over the top and make them super interesting. And to me, more and more, I think it could be the circus that is the Lakers, but I'm so sick of this. Like, forgive me, I didn't immediately think of Kevin Durant when I heard this. I didn't immediately think of, you know, uh, uh, Joe Sy and the Brooklyn front office. I immediately thought about how exhausted I am with flat-earthing, offensive, uh, unreliable, uh, just just the circus that Kyrie Irving has surrounded himself by. Okay, he wants to be traded from the Nets. Great. Like, let's see how many takers there are. I, I do think there will be a taker, but uh, I don't blame Brooklyn a bit for just going, you know what, uh, we're not giving you the long-term extension. And I won't blame them a bit if they don't trade him. If they just say, you know what, uh, we're going to let you play out and we'll let you walk at the end of the season. What should they do? Steven, what should the Nets do with Kyrie Irving? That, they, I think they're. you're right when saying that they are right for not wanting to give him the contract. Right, I, The contract extension would be crazy to me just to invest in this guy when you've done it already numerous times, and it hasn't worked out. He hasn't been reliable. Um, you know, He hasn't been on the court all the time. But I will say, like you said, he's a great player. And we talked about this with Myers Leonard, how Myers Leonard hasn't gotten a second shot. Kyrie Irving is going to get five, six, seven shots in the NBA because he's he averages 27 a night, and he shoots almost 49%. It's so like the guy can ball, and he can definitely help a team. If you're the Nets, you have to look to trade him, try to get some type of asset for him, because I don't think that he's going to want to come back to Brooklyn after, again, another trade request. just seems weird, and it also seems like if I'm the Nets, I'm just done with it, and I want to be out of it. So you got to look to trade him. But, again, if you're not going to get anything. Who does he help? Like who? Like right now when I look at the standings, it's not going to be a team that's got its act together. It's going to be somebody desperate enough who's off the pace who says, hey, if we add this guy – we take a big step forward. To me, it's got to be the Lakers. The Lakers is the obvious one because it's got to be a franchise that is also desperate enough to say, you know what, we don't care about the baggage. We'll still lock you into a long-term contract, right? And so I think with the Lakers, if he did go there, like the Lakers are legitimate playoff team in the Western Conference. Like that's how good that guy is. I think they would be the obvious choice, but they don't have any assets. So I, it's a tough spot if you're the Nets. You look to trade them as much as you can. Uh, but if you can't get anything for him, just ride it out and let him be miserable on the bench for the rest of the season to just know you're and not how does that back. play out, though? How does that play out for the rest of the season? Because you're Brooklyn. You know, you look at them in the standings. They're, you know, they're place, a team yeah. that, yeah, they're they're not in a bad position in the East. But can they win with this hanging over their head if they do keep him and go through the blow through the trade deadline and go, no, we're just going to keep you? Can they win or will he sabotage them down the stretch? And I I believe he will sabotage them. I don't think they can win big with him there. Yeah, I think if he if you can't trade by the deadline, you just don't play him anymore. You just say, hey, go home. We'll pay the rest of the contract, and you'll be done. And then at that point, you have to decide, okay, are we going to build around Kevin Durant still? Like, is Kevin Durant happy enough, or is he a guy that you want to trade as well? Um, you know, I think the Suns would be a great option for Kevin Durant if he does one out, because 
that's the case where you can get some young players and some solid players near the Nets, and you can still probably make the playoffs if you wanted to. So I think it all, you know, I'm tired of Kyrie Irving as well. Like, I am interested to see what Kevin Durant does in this situation because I think he can make an impact this season on a lot of teams, and a lot of teams will be willing to trade good players to get him. But I mean, Kyrie, man, he's just... He's just out there. He's just out there. I think he's delusional. And he proved them right because, again, it wasn't that the Nets weren't going to offer him a contract. They were offering him a contract, but they had provisions in it. And I imagine it's things like you have to actually play games when you're healthy. You can't tacitly endorse anti-Semitism. And Kyrie said, nah, I'm going to blow up the season instead. It's so frustrating. I'm with you, John. I'm completely over it. I'm just over it. And I saw it. And look, and here's here's the reality is, look, there are a lot of NBA players who are loyal, who uh, work hard, who put in the work in the off season, who play when they're not totally healthy, um, and and uh, you know look they're well paid and and I think you know you walk around a locker room and over the years like you know I can remember Lamarcus Aldridge telling me one one day he was talking about his mother who was a bus driver and he was telling me you know they were on a back to back and he said I'm so tired and I said tired like your mom and he said no. He goes. That's another kind of tired. Like he had a he had a realization. He he had an awareness that he was blessed to be able to be doing what he was doing, and even though he had a guaranteed contract, and let's face it, um, from if if we look at today's NBA star, who is a superstar player and a lottery pick, uh, who comes into a league with guaranteed contracts, you if you trace their path, there really isn't at any point of a traditional modern superstar in the NBA's path where they're going to have to, um, you know, outright earn where they are and compete on a day-to-day basis once they get to the league. Yes, there is competition, but they are protected by these contracts. They are protected by the Players Association. It is a soft lifestyle, and Kyrie Irving knows that if uh, the Brooklyn Nets – he doesn't have to sign that contract with provisions because somebody else will give him a normal NBA contract because he can play. And there's something wrong with this. Like in the NFL, you do see cases with teams that will take chances on players and have heavily incentive-based contracts, but the ability for an NBA or NFL team to cut a player and not owe him anything tomorrow and replace him with someone else creates this accountability that is non-existent in the NBA. And most of the players... Like most of the players that I have encountered are working hard and uh, feel blessed to be within the system and know that they have a guaranteed contract but still show up every day and, you know, work, you know put in the work. Kyrie Irving, I think, is skating along on his talent and knows that he can be a jerk and knows that he can, you know, say anti-Semitic things and if, if issue a half-baked apology knows, you know, he can just be an idiot and not be available to his team and be unreliable and, and you know what, trade me. And if you don't trade me, you're going to lose the asset. Like, I, I just feel like he's one step away from holding his breath and laying down on the living room carpet and, and telling Josiah, I'm not going to play for you anymore. And I'm just sick of it. I'm over it. This is bad for the league. It is. And the thing is, is coming related to Portland, like, I have criticism of Damian Lillard. I don't think he's a perfect player. But at the same time, like, you can't deny that Damian Lillard has been so faithful to this team, this franchise, and he's very reliable. He, last season he was hurt, but he's been playing hurt for a long time in his career. Like, it does matter. And so, like, for what it's worth, like, that's how it's, it's not even close of an argument of, like, who would you rather have between Kyrie and a guy like Dame, even though Kyrie may be more talented, 
Damian Lillard, like you can count on that guy. You can't count on Kyrie. And that's what it comes down to. And, and if you can't count on him, and, and frankly, it's not even about counting on him game day with Kyrie. It's you can't count on him anytime. Like there's just this lingering, what is he going to do next? And um, it, it's in, it's this entitlement that is infected sort of his sphere. And it's his legacy now. In, in the same way that I think Antonio Brown – you know, and, and Antonio Brown may be dealing with something else, right? He may be dealing with CTE. He may be dealing with mental health issues. But Antonio Brown went from being this guy that was just a sensational player to suddenly, uh, you know, unreliable, can't count on him, saying and doing things that are out of character. And what do the Raiders do? What do the Steelers do? What do the Patriots do? They cut him, and they move on, and they pivot. You can't do that in the NBA, and it's a problem. And it's a problem for Adam Silver. It's a problem for the whole league right now. And Kyrie is the face of this thing. I want you to leave it here. Uh, our big splash is coming up. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. I just tweeted out a little tidbit on the Pac-12 front. I was looking at the recruiting hall for the conference Pac-12 schools signed five of the top 12 high school quarterbacks in the 2023 class QBs are running wild in the uh, Pac-12 in addition to the ones that are coming back so pretty cool to see that Uh, every day on the show we give you our big splash today is no different and it comes with a price tag The one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The Big Splash. Well, the NBA just announced minutes ago that Donovan Mitchell has uh, been suspended. One game, well, excuse me, Dylan Brooks has been suspended. One game without pay. Donovan Mitchell has been fined $20,000 for his role in their altercation. Uh, look, Brooks initiated the altercation. He struck Mitchell in the groin area. You may have seen the video. Then uh, the situation escalated when Mitchell threw the game ball and pushed Brooks. Uh, both players continued to physically engage with each other. Brooks got a flagrant two. He was ejected. Mitchell was given a technical foul and ejected. Uh, the Cavs went on to win the game, 128-113 over the Grizzlies on February the 2nd. But... Uh, uh, Dylan Brooks has been suspended one game without pay, and Cleveland Cavaliers guard Donovan Mitchell fined $20,000. Donovan Mitchell not happy about what he called a cheap shot. Here's Mitchell talking about Brooks. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's just who he is. You know, we've seen it a we've seen it a bunch in this league with him. Um, him and I have had our personal battles for years. Quite frankly, I've been busting his ass for years. Um, playoffs, regular season. On the one game, he does a high job on me today. You know, he decides to do something like that, and you know, that's, there's no place in that in the game. And you know, you got to protect yourself at the end of the day. But this has been brewing for years with me, with other guys in the league, and we, you all see it. You know, it's not something that this is this isn't new. You know, tonight was just the end of it. But it's tough when you can't guard somebody and can't do something with somebody. You got to resort to that, and that's what he's done to a lot of players. You know, I, I off the top of my head, I think it's like Dame and, and, and Steph. He you know, it's, it's just one of those things that's what you resort to, and that's cool, but lines be drawn, and the NBA has to do something about it. Because, like I said, I'm not the only person this has happened to. Um, there's no place for that in this game. And, you know, like I said, I, I took matters into my own hands, but at the end of the day, like, you know, it ain't it. Look, uh, look, the play, I mean, 
I'm re- I, first. I got to say up front, like Dylan Brooks, uh, as a college player, I wondered how much he would play in the NBA. I wondered who he could defend. I wondered if he could score, get his shot. I wondered about Dylan Brooks a whole bunch when he was at Oregon. And he's proven me wrong. Like, he has turned himself, he's made a nice career for himself in the league, but part of his act and part of his game is a little Pat Beverly-like, not as extreme. And as he drives in on this play against Mitchell, uh, on the video he kind of gives him a shove, and then, you know, as uh, Mitchell is on the ground next to him, he gives him an elbow, and then Mitchell throws the ball, and then they end up in a scrap. And it's a typical basketball scrap that really doesn't have any action. It's more of a scuffle, scuffle than anything. But is Dylan Brooks a dirty player, guys? Oh, 100% he's a dirty player, without a doubt. He's got one of the worst reps in the league. And this was dirty. You know, if you listen to the play-by-play, they're like, well, we don't know intent. If you watch, he absolutely looks at Donovan Mitchell before he he uh, gets him in very uncomfortable place. He's got a bad rep, man, and I'm surprised someone hasn't really kind of given him a little bit of business yet. Yeah, I'm surprised there's only one game, to be honest, because of that rep. Uh, you know, we, we saw in the NBA Finals when Draymond got suspended for a game, like, because of his reputation, Dylan Brooks has that same thing, where he's going to complain to the refs. He's going to complain a lot. He's going to cheap shot people. And, you know, he's one of those guys where, you know, he's the perfect example of a guy on your team. You like him. You love to have a guy like that on your team. When you play him, you absolutely hate him. And it's, you know, it's not surprising me that I've seen numerous Duck fans be like, I don't even like Dylan Brooks anymore because of the way he plays. And that's very rare. Like, to have a guy go to your school, be a Pac-12 player of the year, be like, I don't like this guy anymore because of the way he plays. It's very, uh, very interesting. But, 100% dirty player. I think Brooks was frustrated that he missed the shot, right? And then he falls down, and then he realizes Mitchell's kind of standing over him a little bit, which in you know in that world is, you know, look, I'm standing over you. You missed your shot. And that's when he takes that cheap shot, and then Mitchell <laughs> Mitchell throws the ball at him and, and then charges and shoves him. But, um, look, I think you talk to old-time players from the 70s and 80s, and they'll tell you that they would have settled this in their own way. I can remember Maurice Lucas talking about how they settled things in their own way. Uh, the league now, uh, and by the way, this isn't this isn't just Donovan Mitchell who's got a problem with him. You look around the league and you've got a bunch of players who uh, look at Dylan Brooks and go, come on. Uh, but uh, Brooks uh, said he agreed that it was a flagrant two. And, uh, you know, he didn't want, he said it saved him some technical fouls. And then he went on. But this is kind of his, his act. Like in hockey, you got an enforcer. Is is there a place in the league for a guy on every team to be a little bit like this? Or is he is he extra? I, I think he's a little bit extra because it's one thing, you know, to give it a little Xavier McDaniel or something like that and push a guy around. But Dylan Brooks is literally hurting people. I mean, GP2 last year with the elbow, it's it goes too far. So he's not some big-bodied guy who's going to mix it up inside. I mean, he's undercutting dudes. He's punching them in the stones, as we saw yesterday. There's no place in the league for it. I actually disagree with you. I think that there is a place for him. Um, you know, he plays with that edge, and that's what's got him his contract. That's what's got him to be on a you know the number two seed, I believe, in the Western Conference. Like, and he's a key part to that team, and it's because of the way he plays. So, like, I don't necessarily have a problem with how he plays. I think he's a dirty player, but I think dirty players are going to be in all sports. So, I do think there is an actual spot in the NBA for him. And what if he loses that edge, he wouldn't be successful. So, I don't have a necessary problem with him being dirty. Because that's what's gotten to this level. And like to get to this level, man, I, I'm going to give you props. Dylan Brooks suspended one game for uh, striking Donovan Mitchell in the groin. And that's how it goes down. 
Um, also, uh, I, I got yeah. a problem with this. Maybe this is my peeve, but uh, can we like come up with a new term besides saying the hit and the growing? Because it obviously wasn't yeah. the growing. Like we all know what it was, but like we can't just say it. Like why? Why do we have to say growing? The FCC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, family jewels. Yeah. yeah. Like something can we like say that? that. Yeah. We can say something like that. Down uh, under. Should Mitchell get? I, I have an issue with Mitchell getting fined twenty thousand dollars for for fighting back. Like if somebody elbows you in the family jewels. You can't throw the basketball at him. It's a miracle even got up. You know what I mean? In 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 the in the NBA, you should like like I kind of wonder if uh, Donovan Mitchell should have got suspended or ejected from the game at all, and so he gets twenty thousand dollar fine, and Dylan Brooks gets suspended one game. And uh, for those of you who saw the video of it, you know that um, it wasn't pretty. So there's that. I, I think John. I think I, I'm disagreeing on you with that one. I don't. I think Donovan Mitchell deserves to get. Some type of punishment. Like you can't, you can't be having guys just throw the ball. Just like Steph Curry when he got ejected, you can't have guys just throwing things around the court. Like that just screams danger. Like to the fans. Like that's you can't have that. So even though he deserved to attack Dylan Brooks, I think he was the right call. Like I would have done the same thing. I would have got right up in Dylan Brooks's face. You can't throw the ball at him. Like that's where he went wrong. Had he just got up and pushed him and got in his face, I think he would have been fine. Not or fine. Not fined. But since he threw the basketball, that's where you got. That's where I got a problem with it. Yeah, I don't know because I think, and this is where I think they get into the little pushy, shovey, hold me back NBA fights. You know, like we we've had different NBA players, former players like Frank Burkowski will talk about, you know, how they used to settle things. They used to settle it, you know, with a uh, with an elbow as you come down the lane, and the next time you come in there, uh, you you don't have a clear path to the basket, but. Uh, the uh, outcome here is Dylan Brooks suspended one game and uh, Donovan Mitchell getting a $20,000 fine. Uh, coming up, uh, I'm going to change gears a little bit, guys. Uh, I'm going to play Punch It Audio here, top of the hour. We'll get into what's your peeve uh, later in the 4 o'clock hour, and we will uh, talk about what's coming up this weekend. Later is the Super Bowl. We haven't talked a bunch of Super Bowl. Can, is it okay to start talking about the Super Bowl? I think we can. We'll do it. I took my Niners flag down from the porch today. It was kind of a solemn, sad moment as I acknowledged the 49ers being extinguished from the playoffs. Uh, it took me, what, five days to take that flag down. It was kind of a sad thing. I just I, I quietly put it away, tucked it into a corner, and uh, it'll, it'll come out next season. B. FFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. Super Bowl, a little over a week away. We'll start talking a little bit about the Super Bowl. We'll find out what's been bothering you this hour. Anna will join us. And we will uh, give you the best sound from all around. We've got it here as part of Punch It Audio. For those of you uh, who showed up yesterday to our live broadcast at Spirit Mountain Sportsbook, the BetMGM Sportsbook, it was a really good time, great atmosphere, uh, nice place. Anna, Anna uh, you know, basically declared it clean, smoke-free. I like the sports book. I know, Stephen, you like the sports book as well. You hung out for a little while after the uh, show and watched some games there. Yeah, me and Judah were watching uh, Dylan Brooks 
hit Donovan Mitchell below the belt. So uh, we saw that live as it was happening. I was watching the Beavs get the nice cover against Arizona State. I had that. Uh, you had him 11 and a half. They lose by 11 perfectly. So uh, I was happy about those things. Caught him on the hook. Yeah. You always got to get the hook, John. Let's play some punch and audio. We got great sound. Let's do it. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Adam Schefter talking on the Pat McAfee Show. In the wake of last weekend's NFL games, the NFL looking hard at officiating for next season, says Schefter. Punch it. And the league knows... It has to be addressed, and the league knows it needs to do better. Look, this is a league that's always... The league knows it has an issue on its hands, and the league knows it has to be addressed, and the league knows it needs to do better. Look, this is a league that's always trying to do better in areas. It's always trying to find other ways to make money, to make the game more popular, to make it... you, You think they're just ignoring the fact that the officiating in many instances has been substantial. There's no way. They know it. And if they're being honest, they really know that something has to be done this offseason. Yeah, look, uh, for Adam Schefter to say that, you know that the NFL is doing some soul searching, especially after the championship weekend. Um, Schefter is tuned in. But so is the NFL. I think there's sometimes a lot of insecurity in these sports leagues and a real uh, aversion from admitting that they have to do better. It's like, you know, at the end of the year, I remember when the Pac-12 officiating stuff was brought up and George Klyovkov, the conference commissioner, essentially announced, hey, we know we need to do better. I loved hearing that because we're all seeing it and we know they can always do better. We can all, all of us can do better. Uh, I think it's uh, going to be an interesting Super Bowl. I don't know that this Super Bowl is going to capture the world's attention more than other games have in the past, but it's enough because the Super Bowl is the biggest one-off sporting event that exists. It's it's better than the college football playoff national championship. It's not as good as, I don't think, as March Madness. I don't think it can match an Olympics because in Olympics we're talking about three weeks, almost three weeks of competition and championships and storylines but a super bowl is a one-off event it beats everything to me when it comes to you know a nba finals game seven or a world series game seven this is uh it's going to be a big game i i like the chiefs and patrick mahomes uh we'll talk more about that coming up but patrick mahomes talked about making history i want to play this cut because i've been thinking about this mahomes talked about what it means to him to be one of only two one of two black quarterbacks who are both starting, first time in NFL history, that both quarterbacks have been African-American in a Super Bowl start. I mean, uh, have two black quarterbacks uh, starting in the Super Bowl, I think it's special. And I've learned more and more about the, the history of the black quarterbacks since I've been in this league. And uh, uh, the guys that came before me and, and Jalen set the stage for this. And now I'm just glad that we can kind of set the stage for guys that are uh, kids that are coming up now. And so... Uh, uh, it'll be a great game uh, two, against two great teams, and then against another great quarterback. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to go out there and try to do what we can to, to win against a great team. Yeah, look, uh, Mahomes has got an advantage here in this game. He's been there before. So have a lot of the Chiefs. Eagles and Jalen Hurts 
Will the stage be too big for the play? That's my question. Moving on to the NBA. Well, Bill Ryder is talking about the Kyrie Irving trade request. CBS Sports. Here's Bill. Punch it. It's probably now the most important or one of the most important unknowns in the NBA. Did Kyrie consult Kevin Durant? Does Kevin Durant blame the Brooklyn Nets organization or Kyrie for the news that we're discussing right here? And does Kevin Durant see a path forward? And I think some of this will depend on what comes back for Kyrie if, if Kyrie is traded, in which the Nets can be competitive this year, certainly, and in the years ahead because he's under contract for several seasons. And so the first domino is Kyrie and what happens next. But you're right, the next domino, and I don't have the answer, and I don't think anyone in the NBA does right now other than Kevin Durant, is what does that superstar do in reaction to everything that's happening right now? Look, uh, Kyrie, I said it off the top of the show, I'm uh, exhausted with his act. And I think most of the teams in the league are. He'll find a home, probably be the Lakers. They'll figure out a way, they'll figure out a way to get that done. And I, I, I just, I, I, what I'd rather see is I'd rather see Brooklyn send him home. But an asset is an asset, and I think they'll view it that way in the end. Oregon lost to Arizona last night. Dana Altman disappointed as Arizona jumped out to a 21-7 lead out of from the tip. Here's Altman punching. Fundamentally, we just weren't very sound. We gave up uh, a lot of easy baskets, and uh, Tabellas really got it going, went to his strengths, and you know, we didn't slow him down. What made guarding Tabellas just so hard? You guys threw a lot of people out of him and just couldn't, couldn't stop him. Didn't take away his strengths. You know, we just we let him get to that left hand and right shoulder time and time again. And, and he's going to score. He's talented that way. And, you know, leaving our feet and getting fouls. You know, just did a poor job. Just not a great, not a great performance. In Tubelis, probably nailed down the Conference Player of the Year award last night. Really good. Bad performance from Oregon. I was disappointed because I thought Oregon would show up. And I, th I thought if Oregon was going to have problems, it would be down the stretch. But they just had a bad start. They clawed back, but, you know, they, they've never really had a chance in this one. Sets up a huge game tomorrow in Tempe against Arizona State. Arizona State uh, knocked off Oregon State last night. Bobby Hurley after the game telling reporters he hopes that carries over to the Oregon game. Oregon, meanwhile, hoping it doesn't. Uh, I talked about the Donovan Mitchell-Dylan Brooks uh, scrap earlier. Here's the play-by-play -play of their scuffle. I'm not calling it a fight. It's a scuffle. Brooks hits Mitchell in the stones. Punch it. Second three. A little side step in here. With a move by Brooks. It was deflected. It's loose. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. But that's what started it all, is right here. Look at the left hand. I don't know, me. <laughs> Boink! Yeah. Ooh. It's hard to, to know intent Yeah. right there. That's not our job, but that's what started it all. Wow, and then threw him down. See, right there, that gentleman right there works for the Grizzlies. The foul on Brooks was upgraded to a flagrant foul penalty too. Mitchell threw the ball at Brooks after the foul, therefore he's ejected. And Brooks is also ejected. 
There it is. Uh, today, the NBA levying a fine of $20,000 for Donovan Mitchell. And uh, D- uh, Dylan Brooks will be suspended one game without pay. Is that justice or not? That's Punch It Audio. It's the best sound from all around. We got it. We search high and low, uh, sifting through uh, all the play-by-play that uh, is relevant and interesting. And in the end, uh, there's some news in the NFL, by the way. Uh, Derek Carr, the Raiders have told Derek Carr that he has permission to speak with teams. Um, And uh, they're looking for a trade. And so basically the Raiders are saying to Derek Carr, let your agent handle the trade here. It's the same arrangement that the Texans had with uh, Deshaun Watson last offseason. So he's able to go out, find a home, find that he's got uh, some contract security, and, you know, the Raiders end up a a winner in there because, um, you know, the the 31-year-old quarterback who signed a five-year contract extension in 2017 and then another three-year extension last spring, um, the Raiders – uh, any team that trades for Carr, would, the Raiders would be off the hook for about $33 million next season and $41 million in 2023. And uh, so I don't think Derek Carr is worried too much about his financial security in the future. But in the end, um, 31-year-old Raiders quarterback looking for a new home. Where does Derek Carr end up? What's the right place for him? I kind of – I have a wild theory about, you know, I think he – could be a potential replacement and could end up in Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers really isn't going to be in Green Bay. Uh, I think you're right on that. Uh, my dad being a big Packer fan, he, he's had that that conspiracy for a long time that the Packers are going to trade Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr. Like That's going to basically be the trade. I think that'd be a good fit. I, I also could see him going to a place like Washington. Uh, you know, they, they've, needed a, they've needed to solidify the quarterback position for so many years, and they've tried so many times. Taylor Heineke's just not that guy. Uh, you know, Washington is a team that will spend money, so I think that's another fit uh, for Derek Carr as well. What do you think about the Jets? I know there's a lot of rumors about them maybe wanting to get Aaron Rodgers, and of course Nate can't hack it is there now. But what if, if they strike out on him? Supposedly they're hmm. willing to spend on a quarterback. Maybe they can't get an elite guy. Derek Carr, he's one of those guys that's good, but he's not great. I think there's a chance he might be the best they can get. Yeah, and I think the problem with his contract is I don't like his the numbers that are there. Like it's it's too much money for a guy who is really I think he's I think he's good, but I don't think I think where his value would be if he weren't a thirty or forty million dollar a year guy because at that point you sort of look at it and you go okay. But here's my memory of Derek Carr. Like back in the day when his older brother was playing at Fresno State, I was there as a columnist at the Fresno Bee, and I'd go out to practice uh, quite often. Because it was really the only show in town was Fresno State football, Fresno State basketball with Tark. And Derek Carr was probably 10 or 11. He'd be on the sideline. I played catch with that kid like a number of times. I, you know, I think, I think at that time I had a better arm than him, but he was 10 or 11. But uh, I, you know, I have a, so I have a kind of a soft spot for the kid. I know, like, you know, this, that what he went through this last year in Vegas probably hurt him in the same way. Marcus Mariota's uh, confidence was blown in Tennessee. So I, I'm hopeful. I always like to see a good story and a good ending. I'm hopeful he ends up somewhere where they value him, but I'm not sure that's going to happen at $31 million and $43 million in the next two years. He's, I don't think he's worth that. Leave it here. you got the BFT statewide on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. 
to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Anna's popped into the studio, which means we're going to play What's Your Peeve? It's a Friday. We're in the 4 o'clock hour. Do you have a peeve? I want you to line up now. Get it off your chest. Bring the heat. Be creative. Outside the box. What is bothering you? 503-417-7575 is the phone number. Steven, let's do it. What's your peeve? Oh, that pisses me off. That pisses me right off. Call 503-417-7575 and tell Kinzano what's your peeve on the BFT. Brought to you by Revolution Dental Implant Center. A smile revolution, one day solution. Here's my peeve. I'm going to say it right out of the gates. Uh, I am, a, you know, I, in college I was an English literature major. I don't have perfect grammar. I make mistakes just like anybody else. Uh, and I hate it when I make a mistake, especially in print. If I have a comma out of place or a word missing, or, oh, it drives me crazy. There's nothing worse. But I'll tell you what is worse than nothing's worse is driving on a freeway and looking up at a billboard and seeing a grammatical mistake on a billboard or a missing word or just something that isn't real English on a billboard. Bad grammar on billboards. That's my peeve. I'm driving around. I'm spell checking. I'm looking to make sure those are complete sentences. Marketing people who are doing billboards, come on. This is like a tattoo artist that can't spell. Get it right. That's my peeve. 503-417-7575. I want your peeve. Peter Sampson, you're going to be up here. You uh, hitting in the second spot here on this one. Go ahead. All right. Yeah, I definitely have a peeve. It's not today, but it is from this week. And since this is only a weekly feature, this is what counts. But, man, it is the concert ticket buying the whole industrial complex around buying concert tickets, man. You get the pre-sale code, or maybe you don't get the pre-sale code. You find out they sold the entire show in the pre-sale. Then they open up just a couple hundred more tickets. You're waiting in line. You have the virtual queue. Things sell out in 15 seconds. You gotta wait. Hope that some people will get their credit cards rejected, though the tickets open up maybe 20 minutes down the line. Even if that happens, you're paying a 30% markup for a convenience fee, even though there's nothing convenient about the entire thing just so I can go to a show three months from now. It's terrible. There's got to be a better way. I want to get back to remember back in the day when you would just line up outside of G.I. Joe's or Fred Meyer and have a physical like card. What what did you line up for? Give me a concert you lined up for. Uh, Nirvana. 1993, lined up for Nirvana, and it was great standing in line with like-minded music fans. You get some great stories, you're hanging out, and now, again, you're just standing there glued to your phone, hoping the bots don't take every single ticket available. I lined up in 1990 outside a uh, Tower Records to get Janet Jackson tickets. (laughs) I didn't even want to go to the concert, but I had friends in my dorm who wanted to go to the concert, and they needed another person. So maybe I was kind of, I was like a bot in 1990. I was just, but but I actually stood in line overnight, you know, right next to a Food for Less, uh, you know, sitting out there going, what am I doing in the middle of the night? Janet Jackson? I didn't even want to see Janet Jackson, but I get it. I was working for the ticket. I deserved the ticket. What is your peeve? 503-417-7575. Steven, what's your peeve? Mine's in the sports world. Um, 
coming up, you know, the NFL, NBA draft type of thing, there's always people comparing people. And so I'm starting to dig into that a little bit. Um, and there was one in particular in the Portland area that really bothered me. But I somehow we were talking about it on my Blazer podcast. Check that out. Believe in Blazers podcast. Plug. We're, yeah, plug right there. We were talking about uh, <laughs> comparisons. And uh, the way that they word it is the high end. The high end ceiling is this guy. And the low end ceiling. Well, the high end ceiling. So the, the tweet that I'm talking about is this person said trended Watford on the Blazers. His high end is Julius Randle. <laughs> well, okay. His high end also could be Michael Jordan. He could technically be the best player in the NBA of all time, but he's not going to be. So, like, he's never going to be wrong, that person. So if he sucks and he's out of the league, he's right because he was, you know, it's not his high end. He was low so, end. Never... So he's fence sitting. Yes, he's fence. I hate the fence sitting, especially when it comes to comparisons. Like, people ask me to compare players. And I'll just be straight up like, no, I don't think this guy's any good. And I'll be wrong. If he's good and I'm wrong, that's fine. We're all wrong. But the fence sitting has got to stop when it comes to comparing people. It just it, it drives me insane. Like, people are just so afraid to be wrong that they will just say any, anything possible. Well, yeah, anything's possible. I could be the best radio guy in the history of the radio. But you know what? I'm not going to be. So, you know, it, it just bothers me. You're, I'm not afraid to be wrong. Just for the record. Yeah, and that you know? definitely wasn't talking about you, John. You're, you weren't I the guy. I thought Mark May. Remember Mark May at uh, North Carolina? I thought he was going to be Zebo. Yeah, Sean May. Sean May. Sorry. See? <laughs> Wrong about that, too. Yeah. I thought Adam Morrison was going to be really good. Hey, I'm fine. There you go. The stash. Were you a draft the stasher oh, back in the day? draft the stash all the way, yeah, baby. I still I still stand by Greg Oden was the was the right pick over Kevin Durant. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, he wasn't the right pick. <laughs> Peter's laugh. You can't say he was the right pick. At the time, though, John, you needed a big-time center, and he was that. When he was healthy and he played those games. Yeah, but you, you have the benefit of hindsight. You have a time machine, Stephen. You can say, oh, the Blazers got that one wrong. Odin didn't work out. Look at Durant. He's still a superstar. You have the hi- you have hindsight. You have the benefit of it. Why not it, use it? it? You're like a you're like a witch that has a broom and you're it, afraid to fly. It was the it, it was the See? wrong pick, but everyone would have made that pick at I, the yes, time. That's 100%. the pick. It's just it's the wrong. Pick. I honked once. I honked one 100%. time. Hundred percent. I didn't honk twice. A- I honked once. Are you a Sam Bowie over Jordan guy too? No, no. Get out of here with that. That drives me crazy too. That's another peeve because. Because we all know Jordan in high, with hindsight, because we have it. Why not use it? You have a fork. Don't use a spoon if you need a fork, right? We have hindsight. Let's use it. Uh, Michael Jordan should have been the pick, and the Blazers would have a statue of Jordan in front of the arena. And can you imagine having Nike and the Blazers in the same proximity? This would have been a marriage made in heaven. Unfortunately, like they didn't have the benefit of, uh, of hindsight that we do. And they said, "Oh, we have Clyde Drexler, we have Jim Paxson. We can, we let's go get a big guy. He's the missing piece." For crying out loud, they had already been spoiled with Bill Walton, and they thought, "Oh, you know, it's a big guy we need if you're going to win a championship." So I get why they did it. But people who will say, "No, no, the Blazers made the right pick," no, they didn't. Sam Bowie broke his legs. He was, you know, he had, and you know, a, a very scattered career. Nice guy. We've had him on this show multiple times. Like Sam Bowie, don't at me, but. Jordan was the pick. Greg Oden was the pick. Hakeem Olajuwon was the pick. We should have just won the coin toss. <laughs> Why can't the Blazers make a right pick? What do we do? What are they Cole doing? heads. Yeah, they can't. They, they, what they need to do is not be. They need to be the team picking last. They just let the player fall to them. <laughs> they just need no to pull a George, a George Costanza. Just go opposite of what you think. I do the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> that's my religion now. <laughs> I can do the opposite. Uh, Anna, do you have a peeve? Yes, yes, I do. 
Uh, so our newest dog in the household is now four months old and fully vaccinated. So I've been really excited about this day where I can take her to a dog park and socialize her and let her run around Uh-oh. and make friends and, you know, be wild and crazy. What I didn't expect, like I go to it's one of these like off-leash fenced dog parks. They're great. And I went thinking that this is the kind of place where dog owners are responsible. They're keeping an eye on their dog. So when their dog does their business, they pick up after them. I just kind of, I had this expectation that this is what dog owners do in a place like that, in a communal spot like that. And I was proven wrong right over by the water dish. Uh, I stepped in the largest collection Uh-oh. of turd that it was like odd colored and smelly and I just didn't even okay. see it. Are were you wearing the shoes now? No, I'm not wearing the shoes right now. <laughs> in the studio? I washed them off. <laughs> but I was so mad. I was like, what? What? Didn't pick up after their dog. No. How does that happen? Was Pick it a good pair of shoes? Yes. Okay. Keep an eye on your dogs. If you're going to go to an off-leash dog park, keep an eye on your dog. Know when it does its business and clean up after your dog. Is that asking too much? Be a responsible dog owner. I'm getting shrieky. I don't like yeah. when I get shrieky. Yeah, you got a little shrieky. I don't <laughs> like Sorry. when you get shrieky either. I know. Right, listen, uh, the, uh, I saw something on, on TikTok, uh, and half of my conversations start that way. I know. But there was a... Uh, a dog owner who had a pit bull, and people are naturally apprehensive when they see a pit bull. Yeah. I am. I tell the girls. I'm walking with the girls. They'll go, oh, is the dog friendly? If I see a pit bull, I go, we're not asking right now. We're going to go across the street. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't take much chances. But this person had a pit bull that would happen to be a friendly dog. Okay. Okay? Which is totally possible. Possible. And people were afraid of it, but the dog would always, they had a short fence in their front yard, and the dog would sit there with its tail wagging, Hoping to get a pet when Aww. people walking by. Yeah. So the owner put a sign out saying she likes to be petted. Oh, okay. And it, it scared me because I'm watching this video going, oh, gosh, she's going to take somebody's forearm off right now. And people were petting the dog, and the dog was going bananas. Just loved it. Yeah. Just loved it. Blew up the stereotype I had for pit bulls. Because it's about the training. It's not about Is the it, dog. Is it, though? Yes, it's very much about the I training. I need a larger sample size than you telling me that. You've been to a dog park one time, and now you're an expert on pit bulls. <laughs> you know, it's about, it's not no, nature, it's nurture. No, I get mad when people get, like, all stereotypical about pit bulls. Because it's, 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 you know, what have they been exposed to? What did the owner do to it? I remember, uh, you know, when... Uh, when Quintel Woods dumped that pit bull in the alley, remember he had been fighting dogs? Yeah, yeah. And the dog, uh, uh, I, I went and did a story on the dog, how it got relocated. Mm-hmm. That dog, it turned out, was like Ferdinand the Bull. It didn't want to fight. Yeah. That's why he was dumping it in the alley. Yeah. And I think the dog's, was na- lover, the dog's name was Daisy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something real cute. And they, the new owner who got the pit bull that Darius, or not Darius, that Quintel Woods dropped in the, in the alley... Had that dog sleeping with a kitten. <laughs> that kitten was like snuggled up See? with the dog. See? Yeah. Why didn't that change your opinion? Well, I need a larger sample size. I need to check back with that owner and be like, hey, did the dog eat the cat? Or how did that work out? Oh, my gosh. Nice picture from back <laughs> in the day. But I, I would like to see a little bit more of that. Uh, all right. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to visit with a uh, pickleball expert. 
We debated this off the top of the show, but first, Joe in Vancouver is going to give us his peeve. Joe, you get the last peeve of the day. Yeah, so uh, my peeve is Super Bowl Sunday. And, you know, we can change the Rose Bowl to a different time of day. We cannot have all those New Year's Day Bowls on the same day. We can move those. How come we can't move Super Bowl Sunday to Saturday and give us a day before we have to go back to work? Because mm, you want to you tie it on, and you don't like that late Sunday game. And think about people on the East Coast. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, and maybe not even tie it on, even just, you know, food. Oh, heavens. I barely made okay. it through the second half of last year's Super Bowl. I got, I got, where do you live? What state do you live in? Uh, Vancouver, Washington. Okay, you're in Washington. Uh, you might think about moving to Tennessee because uh, I got some good news for you. Uh, two senators and two lawmakers in Tennessee are trying to make the day after Super Bowl an official holiday in the state of Tennessee. How about them apples? Yeah, there might be a few other problems with Tennessee that I might run into, but that sounds like a decent <laughs> idea. <laughs> but you'd have your Monday after. <laughs> you would. They're calling it, uh, it's uh, it's uh, House Bill 1463. Basically, uh, they would change Columbus Day into uh, the first Monday after the Super Bowl, and they would call it Super Bowl Monday and Columbus Day. So NFL fans uh, might get behind this. How about the state of Oregon? Can you throw us a bone? You know, like, uh, let's have a Super Bowl Monday be a holiday. But why not just go with his solution, which is to move it to a Saturday, which then well, gives you Sunday to recover. Because we want a day I gotta off. Get, yeah. I got I to I gotta start prepping for my uh, snacks on Friday now, you know? <laughs> your, your boneless, yeah, your my boneless, boneless wings. wings. Your pointless boneless wings. On a Friday now, I've got to be concerned <laughs> about what I'm doing tomorrow. Hey, the Super Bowl's tomorrow. It's Friday. Oh, no, no. Oh, because no. you're slaving over a hot stove <laughs> on Saturday? Yeah. Maybe. Baking your... Slaving over a crock pot or something. <laughs> who knows? All right, we're going to talk to a guest who's going to set us straight on this pickleball debate next. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, I've been uh, I've been talking about this pickleball dilemma that was going on in Lake Oswego, going on in a lot of suburban cities across the country. Neighbors do not like the sound of pickleball courts. City councils are holding meetings. People are talking about decibel levels. Uh, senior citizens are saying, "Hey, we're just trying to have some fun out here." Like the the like today, the skateboarder of today is a senior citizen holding a pickleball paddle. That's the skateboarder of today. It used to be the skateboarders hanging out in the parking lots. Skate or die, man. Get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. Now it's the pickleball players. I wrote about it today at johnconzano.com. Uh, we had a fierce discussion about it off the top of the show. Not everyone agreed that uh, the seniors are right. Uh, our next guest is the owner and operator of a company that is hoping to solve this problem, Rex, R-E-C-S. Uh, WeAreRex.com is their, is their website. And uh, Kevin Richards from Rex is joining us now. Kevin, 
you know, you probably have heard this over and over and over again. This is a an issue, but thank you for giving us some time. I appreciate your uh, your reaching out, John. There's one difference between the the uh, the old pickleballers and the skateboarders, and that is a lot of these uh, grandma pickleballers would rough up those skate skateboarders. I'm, I guarantee you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. Uh, give us an idea, because you know, before we can get into the solution, let's talk about the problem. Some people who called in early in the show said, "Hey, you know, is it really that noisy? Is it that bad?" Give us an idea, because you're around it all day long, uh, and you've heard it probably before you got into the business of owning a, a venue. How big of an issue is this with noise and court availability and all those uh, all those problems? Well, you could definitely, uh, you know, I'm biased, of course, but you could put put me firmly in the camp of, uh, you know, the people like to have things to complain about. I hear this noise every day, all day, and it's always music to my ears. Um, probably for a number of reasons, but I just have a hard time believing that it could be that upsetting. I, I frankly, I understand parking more as a complaint from neighbors of the park than noise, but um, to me it's just shocking because parks and rec departments, their job is uh, to give people a place to recreate, and, uh, you know, whether it's George Rogers or Tanner Creek or any other mun municipality around the country, People are flocking to this thing that they love. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing, and it's incredible that it's being curtailed um, as much as it is. I'm just hoping that all these parks um, can respond with more courts because, yeah, in the short term, it might be a good thing for us to get more people through the doors. But I look at our market in Portland, and I say there's 2.4 million future pickleball players. They don't all know it yet. But if there are parks they can't play at to learn the game, there's not going to be as many many people playing. So I, to me, it's a real dis disappointment. Kevin Richards, uh, the owner of Rex, R-E-C-S, is with us. Um, let me ask you, you know, your introduction to this sport, how did you find it? Oh, man. we we I grew up in Gladstone, and we first played a little bit in middle school. Um, it just kind of incubated around the northwest. Uh, having been invented on Bainbridge Island, all the PE teachers, and one of them, Steve Peronto, teaches at our club. He's in the Pickleball Hall of Fame. He brought it to uh, Hillsborough and Beaverton, where he taught, and it just spread through all the uh, all the PE teachers. So I was introduced then, then I played uh, at Willamette University, and then I was reintroduced about eight or nine years ago through Columbia River Pickleball Club, and I was like, oh, this is, this is my jam. This is my kind of game. It's hard to take yourself too seriously, but you can still be athletic, have fun, and then, you know, maybe grab a beer with your buddies afterwards. Maybe you're listening to music while you play. It's it's what inspired the name of our company, which is Recreate, Exercise, Compete, Socialize, which I think you've mentioned before. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot of other games and sports people are playing that take ver themselves very seriously, or their, their kids are playing sports. They've invested a lot of time and money. And I, I just love the hybrid sports that are much more about recreating and having fun. Kevin, Anna here. Um, I think one of the coolest things about pickleball is the wide age range. You know, you've got like five-year-olds up to 90-something-year-olds that are interested in the sport. But can is there any part of you, like, can you help us understand the neighbor complaints about noise? Like, are their complaints legitimate? Is this you know, the kind of noise pollution that really would be disturbing to people that live near pickleball courts that are outside? 
I mean, I definitely think, Anna, that there are people that, um, you know, this bothers them. They go outside, they hear it all the time, and, and once you hear it, that's all they hear. And I just think we live in a country now where, you know, uh, <laughs> the city is afraid of people who are going to sue, and you only need one person to say, hey, look, you know, uh, are you ready for the lawsuit? And that scares enough people that they shut it down, and that's just the reality of the situation that we're in. I, I don't think there's probably that many neighbors that are upset about it, but um, you don't need that many to, to, to shut something like this down. And so, you know, it's up to the, to the parks departments and the different cities to find parks where they can play all the while the paddle manufacturers try to be the first ones that come out with the paddles that are a little quieter. I'm thinking about your business. You, you open your doors and, you know, if somebody walks in now, it, there's a flurry of activity. In the courts from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., 90% capacity, as I understand it. But what gave you the confidence that this was the right space for you to be in? Or what did you see? Or did you go in other markets and go, hey, this is going to hit our region? Or what were you thinking? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people were not aware of it. I've been watching this blow up over the last eight years. And it, you know, had all the, the hallmarks of being a viral movement. And uh, so it was just a matter of who was going to be first to do this in Portland. And uh, we had an incredible team. I, had an, I have an incredible team around me. We were lucky enough to find uh, the building in Clackamas that used to be indoor soccer. And the owner, you know, just having gone through the pandemic, he just really was kind of done with that. And we were able to strike a deal. And... I was ready to take the gamble. I mean, I uh, had done other things in my life where I helped other people figure out their dreams, realize their dreams, and uh, I had a dream, and I realized, you know, I'm not getting any younger. No time like the present, and I convinced a lot of other people to take a bet on me and our team, and uh, we've checked all the boxes that we needed to check to know that uh, we're doing the right thing, and... Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're bullish on the future of pickleball. I still think it's in the early days of adoption. I really do. What does it mean to you when you see people of all ages, and particularly, you know, the 50 and 60-plus crowd that show up in droves to play? And then it's not just the playing, but it's like your venue has an area to socialize and even, like, you know, have a drink after the game. Um, what does that mean to you personally? I mean... And I'm so glad you asked that because, you know, a lot of this is about recreating and exercise. And it can be, a, you know, if you're looking for transactional experience, I just want to come play pickleball. Hey, great, we've got the place for you. But, you know, the club aspect, I, I look at, you know, people who put stickers on their cars saying, hey, this is a brand. I want the world to know that uh, I support this brand. You know, I believe that and, and very much believe that we can build a tribe of people who their lives are better. I get emails and calls from members all the time that say this, that say like, hey, I can't get enough of this place. I can't get enough of this experience. Thank you so much for building this. And they're healthier than they've ever been in every sense of the word. So it's good for their personal health. It's good for community health. We don't talk politics in our club. That's one thing that I absolutely love about it. It really, um, you know, it really is different than I think a lot of other um, a lot of other uh, movements that are out there is that this one is devoid of politics. And, um, yeah, I call it the playground for kids of every age. Like, you know, the, 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 whether you're 80 in your 80s or 90s or you're 8, 
you always feel like a kid when you're playing at our club. And uh, people walk in with smiling, and they leave with an even bigger smile on their face. It makes me so happy. Yeah, look, I think you're in it for the right reasons. Again, we're talking to Kevin Richards, who owns and operates a pickleball and uh, other sport uh, facility called Rex. R-E-C-S uh, is the, the name of the business. It stands for Recreate, Exercise, Compete, and Socialize. We are Rex.com is the website. Um, you, uh, you're now going to see people who have been kicked off some of the suburban courts who are probably already knocking on your door. What has that been like for you? What have you noticed? What have I noticed? Um, I mean, everyone who comes through the door pretty much is like, hey, did you hear about George Rogers Park? And, um, yeah, you know, we, we do see an uptick in, in foot traffic. Um, but we get a lot of people that are just, hey, I've been driving by this building. I've been curious. I want to poke my head in. Um, you know, if we had nine more courts, I bet you we could keep those busy right now. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I love that people are coming through. Um, but, um, you know, we need the parks, we, we need the parks and we, even the competitors, you know, this is the new gold rush, right? Like everyone's like, Oh, I'm going to put in some pickleball courts. There's a lot of Johnny come lately, but, um, you know, we need those courts. We need more courts because this is a good thing. More and more people should be playing pickleball and games and sports like it because it does bring people together, allows them to recreate and have fun and laugh. Humans are, are you know, we love to play like any other, you know, we, we just love to play, right, as a species, and this gives people a safe way to do it. Is there a practical solution for cities that are trying to mitigate these uh, neighbor issues? I mean, the sound barriers, they've talked about creating domes. I know Lake Oswego even, like, put out a study and had a contractor look at the decibel levels and all that. Is there a solution for the outdoor alternative? I mean, you know, any city that has a park where there are not homes immediately next to it, they should immediately be looking at how to, uh, you know, how to put courts in there. Um, you know, a place in Reno just opened up with 130 courts. This is, the, this is going to be happening more and more, not just in the U.S., but globally. There's going to be courts all over the place. So right now, you know, uh, municipalities are wrestling with the, the – legality of this and and um, people who want to be litigious about it it's not going to go away you might mitigate it here and there they just need to figure out where do they have space to put in more courts um public private partnerships i think are going to become much more common um you know that we are i just think really um this is the tip of the iceberg this is going to be the wave of the future yeah and i'm looking around the country and it seems like uh, they're having the same kinds of problems everywhere, and uh, people who are living next to parks are going, hey, this isn't the same park that I moved in with. These senior citizens are out here keeping me up all hours of the day. Uh, and I, I think you guys have presented a strong solution. Kevin, when we were talking about this early in the show, we had somebody call in and said, hey, I'm building a pickleball facility. Uh, you know, Since I posted my column this morning, I had another guy reach out and say, hey, I'm building one as well. These things are going to pop up. You've got some competition coming. How does Rex stay in front of the curve? I think everything we're doing right now, you know, I mean, we're building uh, loyal customers, and, and, you know, I'll never resent people going to play at other places and trying it out. Um, you know, you should never be afraid of competition if you know that what you're doing is you're doing a good job at it, and I, I believe we are doing a good job. 
again, like whether it's parks or other private facilities, we always knew there'd be competitors. I just see that as an opportunity for more people to find the game, play the game, fall in love with it. Um, we do some other stuff as well. We do a little bit of soccer tennis. Um, we'll do um, a little bit of, you know, tech ball, some soccer adjacent stuff, kids camps in the summer. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we're doing that fits the whole RECS experience. But pickleball, you know, 99.9% of our activity right now is pickleball because people are just so desperate to get on the courts. In the summertime, you know, we have indoor courts, and so, um, you know, we'll stay fairly busy this summer, but I think it's going to be more the kids' camp stuff that keeps us busy. I mean, I, I take my hat off to anyone else that can build. Starting a business and running a successful business is not easy. I've been doing this for a year now. Thank God I've, I have a very supportive community and an incredible team of advisors that's helping with this. Our staff is amazing. Um, and if you're not in it for the right reasons and if you're not a, a benevolent uh, you know, business owner, then it's going to backfire on you, I believe. And I just I think we've been uh, you know lucky in doing this the right way. So I, I I'm happy to see other people getting into the space and, and giving it a go. I think it's a good thing for the sport overall. Look, I, I appreciate you giving us your time, Kevin. Uh, keep up the fight. I'll check in with you later. Thanks so much, John and Anna. Thank you. There he is. We are Rex R E C S dot com. Uh, you've been inside the facility. Yeah, pretty impressive. Is it buzzing? I don't. I, you know, I haven't been inside. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about like three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. The place is packed, packed. And our kids like it. Kids our kids love are taking it. a lesson. They're or something? taking lessons there, mm. and uh, they love it. That's the thing to me is unique about this sport. I mean, I guess you can compare it to golf, but that's more of a solo sport. Um, but it's the fact that, you know, it can appeal to such a broad age range, and that's why this thing's got legs. There it is. Leave it here. you got the BFT. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I had a lot of fun yesterday uh, on the remote broadcast. It was nice to see people. Sometimes I told a bunch of people who came to the broadcast, sometimes I get in the studio, I get hunkered down, I get focused on what I'm doing, and it's not unlike the writing that I'm doing. I'm kind of in my own headspace and such, and it was nice to see human beings who were walking up to the broadcast booth and saying, hey, fist bump, I'm a school teacher, I listen to the show. Hey, fist bump, hey, remember when you said that on air? And I was like, man, you really listen. And it was just nice to see human beings, Anna. Be out in the world. I was in the world. I was in the wild for a little bit. Um, I like that. I like getting out and uh, seeing uh, seeing folks, so to speak. Which reminds me, Stephen, how did you do on your bets? Uh, so the parlays lose because parlays are just sucker bets. But, you know, they're just for fun. Um, I did have four bets, though, straight up, and I won three of them. So three and one. Not bad. Nice. Thank you. How, your overall haul, did you end up ahead or even? or uh, Ahead, definitely. Good for you. Thank you. Good for you. Anna and I walked around Spirit Mountain. I uh, I dropped a $20 bill. Anna says, hey, I need to use the restroom. I drop a $20 bill into this machine, and, I, and, and something happened that never happens to me. It uh, hit a jackpot, like almost immediately. And then I just sat there because I was looking around going, did anybody else see this? And also, I didn't know how, how much I won because I was playing like a two – it was a two-cent – machine so confusing and so i was looking around i i was like did i just win a million dollars 
or did I win four dollars or I don't know and so I just kind of sat there and I waited till Anna came up and I still didn't know and I said I'm gonna cash out right now I have no idea what I won but this looked pretty impressive what I did and it was two hundred and sixty two dollars and twenty cents bingo and I did what I also never do I cashed out and walked away. That's because you were with me. Yeah, I'm like, come on, we got to go right and, now. And I was like, we're ahead. <laughs> if, I, if I was there, I would have just been like, hey, let's play more. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, Keep let going. it Keep ride. Going. Oh, you have no idea. I'm walking with that that ticket they give you when you cash out. You're going to cash it out. And I'm going, how about I just put 100 in this machine? She's going, nope. How about, <laughs> how about I just do 100 on that? It's, hey, we're ahead. <laughs> but uh, I walked out of there with 26220. It was the lucky fortune machine by the restroom for anyone yeah. that wants to go to Spirit Mountain yeah, try thank, their luck. Thank goodness you had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm the real winner. I want you to leave it here. The 5 at 5 is coming up next. B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald-faced truth. We're in the happy hour. It's a Friday. I hope you're having a good week. And, you know, on the bright side, if you're not having a good week, it's just about over. Your weekend's here. So, you know, if you're having a good week, celebrate it. If you're not having a good week, celebrate it that it's over. You know? I'll spin that positive. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Because I'm Tony Robbins right now? Yeah, yeah. Both sides of the coin. Yeah. We've got uh, What's on Tap. We'll tell you what you should be watching this weekend. The calm before the Super Bowl storm. Next week is going to be all Super Bowled out. All these companies have got their former athletes, their former Super Bowl players, their supermodels, all sorts of super things that they want to get on this radio show. I'm going to sift through it all, figure out what we're going to do. Anna's going to start this final hour of this great week by uh, giving us the five most important stories as she sees it. I'm, I'm tinkering with that. See, I'm getting closer. You know, pretty soon we're just going to call it Anna Says, and then boom, Anna's going to go. You know? Yeah, because yeah. most important stories of the day, that might be a stretch. The big bosses sent me an email today. Uh-oh. I never get emails from the big bosses. Yeah. The big bosses, to their credit, they leave me alone. Yeah. They don't, they don't get in my ear like a head coach on the sideline who's talking to his quarterback during the game, telling him what play to call and whatnot. They just let me play, and, you know, and I love them for it. But the big bosses sent me an email saying how much they enjoyed the broadcast yesterday. Wow. And, and Lisa says, really enjoyed hearing Anna. Oh, gosh. How about them apples? That's, that makes me blush. This goes back to the uh, beginning of the pandemic when you weren't really invited on the show, and you showed up, and you just kept showing up every well, day. Well, it's it was in my house. You're doing the show in our house, so I like yeah. how you said my house, and then you changed it to our house. Yeah, yeah, that was a very <laughs> subtle change right there. I also <laughs> but, remember someone at Spirit Mountain saying, "Anna, I really like when you're on," and just ignored you, John. I know. It happens <laughs> John, all the time. I love, I love the show, but I really like when Anna's on. And and you know the. <laughs> When that guy said that, I'm sitting right there. He didn't even acknowledge you. Just look away. I know how our dog feels now when I walk by the dog and the dog's tail's wagging and the dog's looking at me and I just walk right by it. (laughs) That's what that guy did to me yesterday. Oh, and I love when you were on the show. And then silence. So glad you were there to witness that, Stephen. Stephen, it happens every day, multiple times a day. I mean, it was pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. And then the other thing people say is they'll be like, 
uh, how come Anna's only on for, and they'll just say, and I'll say, because it's not her show. That's why. I, you know, what's funny is I love meeting people like in a situation like that because they always come up and they have the funniest stories. Like the one guy came up, he's from Tigard, and he had on his phone a picture of your bobblehead. And he's like, look at this bobblehead. I took a picture of it in 2015 when my son gave it to me, and I still have it. He told me that, <laughs> that the BFT bobblehead doll, which, by the way, was given away, first 5,000 people to go into what was then PEG, PGE Park for a Portland Beavers game, that he said, uh, you know, I've had this since 2015 on my desk. It looks at me every day. And I said, you know, and but the thing that people who have – you can get a BFT bobblehead doll. If you are a diehard listener and you want a BFT bobblehead doll, you can get one on eBay relatively cheap, okay? <laughs> Where, or if you're in a Goodwill store and you are wandering around and you happen to see one, I don't care if you need it or not, do the right thing and buy it, rescue it, and gift it to somebody else because we can't have that. It's bad for the brand to have the BFT bobblehead dolls sitting around on the shelves of Goodwill priced at like $1.99. We can't have that. <laughs> okay? I remember I, I was in a Goodwill store, and I found one one time. Yeah. And I scooped it up. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do. And I was like, what do I do with this thing? <laughs> and I go up to the counter, and I said to the lady, I'm going to buy this. And she looked at the doll, and then she looked at me, and then she looked at the bobblehead, and then she looked at me, and she goes, what's this supposed to be, you? And I was like, yeah, I'm buying it. Two bucks, keep the change. At least you didn't Re- say, man, we've been trying to get rid of this thing forever. I know. Yeah. Rescued that sucker. Happy to pay for it. I'm not, you know, popping the tags or whatever people do at Goodwill. Oh my God. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I'm happy to, I'll pay, I'll overpay for it. Nice Macklemore reference. I'll there. overpay for that thing. But, uh, yeah, yeah, this guy had a, he had a BFT bobblehead dog. Yeah. His son must love him. Oh. That's what I felt. People are so nice. I love it. Uh, okay, so the five at five as Anna sees it. Let's do it. The five at five. Number one story as Anna sees it. Deion Sanders. Yes, he had a professional career that included Major League Baseball, a Hall of Fame football career. But this week, after a trip to a lacrosse game on campus in Boulder, he got thinking that he could have played another sport at a high level. He went to a lacrosse game. He said he couldn't stay long because he had some recruits in the house, but it was beautiful, he said. He picked up a stick, threw the ball. He should have gotten into lacrosse like Jim Brown, and he says he would have been nice with it. Yeah, except there was no money in it, and that probably explains why he wasn't interested in it. (laughs) He was busy playing outfield for the Atlanta Braves and running around for the Falcons or the Niners or the Cowboys and winning Super Bowls. And, oh, by the way, he was endorsing products, and he was rapping, and you know, dancing, and he was a reality TV show guy. So he was a little busy. Sorry you missed out on being the Michael Jordan of lacrosse. You have to settle for being Deion Sanders, you poor guy. Number two in our 5 at 5. So we had the guy call in and say that he wished that Super Bowl Sunday could be switched to a Saturday so that you could have a day of recovery. Well, the Philadelphia Eagle fans, get this, they get a two-hour school delay the day after Super Bowl 57. A school district there has implemented a two-hour delay in honor of the big game. This Win is, or lose? Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. win or lose, allowing kids and teachers to either celebrate or mourn on Monday, February 13th. I haven't decided if it's better for Philly 
if the Eagles win or lose. I'm, I'm talking about like the bus stops of Philly, the light posts of Philly, the cops of Philadelphia. Because on one hand, if they win the game, you know all hell's going to break loose, and they're going to riot, and they're going to turn buses over. And if they lose the game, it, they would do the same thing, but maybe a little meaner. So I, I kind of think maybe the people of Philly, as they grease the poles and fix the bus stops this week, probably hoping for an Eagles win and a little more joyful celebration. Number three. Uh, did you hear about the Duke coach, Kara Lawson, claiming that a men's basketball was used during the first half of her team's loss at Florida State earlier this week? The Atlantic Coast Conference is saying that it hasn't found any evidence that part of the women's basketball play game was played with a men's ball, but uh, it says it learned of the allegation after the game on January 29th, immediately conducted a comprehensive review that included discussions with officials, game administrators, crew, both schools. They have said that they've failed to turn up any evidence to support this claim, but she insists that this was a mistake that was made in the game and that it was a factor in her team's loss. I didn't even know. Yeah, there's a difference. I didn't even know there was a difference. There's a difference. The circumference of the women's ball is about an inch less than the men's basketball, but there are also variances in the men's ball, right? I would be very careful with that sentence. Mm -hmm. There's variances because the ball can, in some cases, be a quarter inch in circumference different. Steven, vouch for me here. You played some college basketball. I always see the players who will bounce the ball and, you know, move it around. You, you get a basketball you like better than others? Yeah, the basketball, all basketballs are different, and this, I don't know what to think about this story because if they really were using the men's ball, it is very noticeable. Very yeah. noticeable between a men's and a women's ball. The fact that they didn't just say something right away or they didn't bring it up during the game, I don't know. I don't know what to believe because I mean, I'm telling you, John, like, it is a ginormous difference. Like, because yeah. with my son right now, he's eight. He uses a woman's ball because the big, the men's ball is too big for him. And so I'll shoot around with him with that ball. And it is so different. Yeah, you can grab that yeah. thing and yeah. palm it like you are Bill Walton. Exactly. So, like, it, it just is weird that nobody said anything during the game. Here's my theory on it. Because, you know, I'm looking at this and they say the basketball in the men's game is between 29 and a half and 30 inches in circumference. And the basketball used in a college women's game is 28 and a half to 29 inches. It might just be that they got a basketball in this case that was closer to 29 inches, half an inch bigger, and maybe some of the players were going, "Hey, it's that, that ball. It's got to be a men's ball because it can be within, you know, it can be closer in size." Well, the coach is asserting that this never would have happened during a men's game. Yeah, I don't that know. the mix-up happened because it was. Here's the other basketball. thing, coach. Both teams were playing with the ball. It's not like they subbed it out, <laughs> and Duke was shooting with one, and then the other team had to use a different ball. Mm -hmm. You're both using the same basketball. If anybody's got a problem with it, say something during the timeout, and you know they'll look at swapping out the ball. I've seen teams that look at the baskets. I've seen teams go, hey, that basket's off. It's, it's off by a quarter inch or something. They come out and measure the damn thing. I don't know if it's changed, but when I played, like, captains would come out to the center of the court, and they'd have the ball there. Like, you can touch the ball, and you feel it. So, like, yeah. it, it should have been known. Should be known. Much ado about nothing.
or something to do about something. Well, I learned something. I didn't even know there was a different bow. Well, Number we have one in the garage. Go out in the garage. Uh-huh. There's a girl's ball out there. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. The, and there, there's a, actually a men's basketball out there as well. Okay. Is this four or three I now? I think four. Number four, four, please. Hardest part of this. Move on. Counting. Number four. Uh, the NFL is going to talk about the hip drop tackle that injured Patrick Mahomes. So he suffered that high ankle sprain in the divisional round of the playoffs. Many people question the legality of the play. Uh, the defender tackled Mahomes by rolling down yeah. his body and into his ankle. Now, that type of tackle is not illegal, but it could be in the future. NFL's chief medical officer is saying the league acknowledges that kind of hip drop tackle is associated with ankle and leg injuries. He's seeing it's going to be a very active offseason conversation. This was a uh, rugby tackle that got banned by the National Rugby League in Australia because it caught generally it's somebody tackling you from behind. They grab you, they sort of trip you from behind, but they use their body to kind of, you know, break down your legs. If they eliminate it, I I think a lot of fans are going to say the NFL is going too far in how uh, defensive players can tackle offensive players. Uh, but the NFL Eliminated horse collar, horse collar tacklers for the same reason, and uh, this is a player safety move. And I think anytime you talk player safety, you're speaking the language of the attorneys in the NFL, who would like nothing more than to be able to say, you know, when they get sued one day for all the head injuries and such, to be like, hey, we really valued player safety. Look, we got rid of this this uh, rugby tackle back in the day. Number five in our five at five, Anna. What do you got? Uh, arena football is coming back. It's set to hit the field again in 2024. Bringing it back. It's been around in a couple of different forms since 1987, but it hasn't really been active since 2019. And it's set to make its return. Uh, the Rock, I guess, uh-huh. is involved. Of course. Uh, it didn't work the first time that Vince McMahon tried this more than 20 years ago. But um, February 18th, the XFL makes a return to the gridiron. Will anyone watch? Uh, to me, there's an oversaturation issue here. This is like coffee shops. Too many coffee shops. We all need our go-to coffee place, but we don't need 14 different coffee shops on our drive. And too many uh, USFL, XFL, Arena Football League, the uh, the American AAFL, the... AARP, I don't know what league that is, but it's there's too many of these things. And I just think that it's jumped the shark. I don't see a market for it. I would love to see uh, one non-NFL football league that is available for people who maybe go, hey, you know what, it's not in the family budget to go pay $7,000 for a ticket to go see the Seahawks play the Niners. I'm going to go see this, you know non-NFL football league, but there's just too much of this. I don't know when they're playing. I don't know what they are. I'm seeing all these, you know, these recycled coaches who who football won't let these guys retire. Let Rick Neuheisel retire. Let Coach Aliotti retire. These guys don't need to be out on a sideline. Mike Riley doesn't need to be out there. Let these guys go play golf and have some fun and see their grandkids. We won't let them retire. You know, they try to get out, we suck them back in. Too many football leagues. That's where I stand on that. That's the five at five. Five biggest things going on. We'll tell you what's on tap on this non 
Super Bowl weekend. There's a lot on your TV that you need to know about when it comes to sports. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. I'm, I'm really hung up on that story about the basketball. Uh, here's the other thing, though. Like, look, if something wrong happens in a sports event, there are rules in place. There's a protocol in place uh, for uh, a complaint to be issued, okay? Um, and there's a process. And I'm going to guess that uh, Kara Lawson, the coach – uh, at Duke, who played in this game against Florida State, I'm going to guess that um, she understands that if there's an issue with the ball, she can walk over to the scorer's table during the game and say, hey, can we check the ball? My players are saying that this ball isn't the size of a normal women's basketball. And the officials would be more than happy to do it. But they lost to Florida State. She's now saying... Uh, in her closing statement, not her opening statement in the press conference, that that this ball was used and it wasn't, uh, the specifications weren't normal for a women's basketball. Um, I think that you don't need to protest this after the game. This is something that should have been handled during the game. Now, she's saying it only happened at the first half. She says her players were complaining about the ball. She says the players voiced their concerns to assistant coaches. She was not part of that talk. Apparently, she's not in the locker room at halftime. That surprises me a little bit. I've been around college athletics. Um, I was at uh, an LSU basketball game earlier this season. Kim Mulkey, the coach at LSU, she's incredibly intense, might be a little uh, insane on the court. Uh, You know, I watched her outside the locker room meeting with her assistants, but then she's talking to her team. So it's not like you don't have access to your team. You're the head coach. It feels like, to me, that uh, there was an issue with the ball because they went to the scorer's table at halftime. They said, hey, the players are complaining about the ball. The, when the head referee came over, looked at the ball, and said, hey, I'm going to change the ball out. You know, try to make everybody happy. Um, but, you know, the conference, uh, you know, and Florida State are saying that the ball that was used was not a men's ball. Duke, or I should say the Duke coach is saying that she conducted an investigation and has determined that it was a men's ball. Um, this back forth, he said, she said thing, very frustrating for me, and it feels like it's a little bit, um, you know, it, like, again, I'm just going to say this. If you think that the ball was incorrect, bring it up early in the game, first time out, second time out. Don't blame the basketball for Florida State beating you. Like, if they did beat you with a ball that was a men's regulation ball in the first half and then a women's regulation ball in the second half, um, look, you, uh, you, uh, can't say, you can't say that you didn't lose the game regardless of what ball was used in the game. It's just, it's, uh, it, this is one of these things that I feel like is uh, uh, it's little sour grapes, a little bit of a coach trying to make an excuse for her team. She knows that, you know, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, that was an important game. She lost it. Uh, just take the loss, man. Take the loss. I hate when coaches do this stuff. 
in, in, in the end. I got because I'm reading this article too, and what you said, the players were complaining about it. It seemed like actively in the first half, and I feel like players aren't just going to complain about it. So if it, if they really did this, the coaching staff, including uh, Coach Lawson, should have brought it up to to the referee's attention in the first half, not even waited till halftime. Like I, it it just seems like sour grapes to me. I'm with you, John. Like it's so weird that it took this much time. Then they checked on it. They changed the ball at halftime. And they concluded there was no, like, it was a woman, woman's ball the whole time. It just, it's just sour grapes. It just seems like to me. They got beat badly in the first half. They were down thirty to twenty-two at halftime. They got beat badly in the second half. They got beat forty to thirty-five in the second half. They got beat seventy to fifty-seven. Florida State beat them in the first half. Beat them in the second half. Duke's still ranked. Duke's still eighteen and three. Um, I don't believe for a second that a men's ball was used. I think it was probably a women's basketball. There may have been a variance in the ball. Maybe the players were complaining. Uh, I've seen it. You, We've all seen this with pitchers in baseball where a pitcher will get a ball from the umpire. They don't like the seams on the ball. They'll throw it back to the catcher, give me a new ball. Uh, th- this happens all the time. Like, you know, don't like the feel of the ball or not, you know. Uh, you, you get a new basketball. You, you But complain during the timeout, your first timeout, first media timeout. Walk over and talk to the head official. You know, don't wait for halftime and go, oh, we're down by five. Now we're going to make a stink about this. Oh, we didn't shoot the ball very well. It must be the basketball. It's sour grapes. And it takes something away from Florida State, who outplayed you. And uh, I don't think it was a men's ball. I, I'm I'm leaning into the idea, because Florida State would have noticed it too. Like, Stephen, you've talked about it. Like, during the commercial break, I walked out into the garage here, away from the studio, and I was like, okay, men's ball, women's ball. One of those two balls I can palm like I'm Hakeem Olajuwon. And the other ball is a real men's basketball. There's a big difference between the two basketballs, and I have to think Florida State would have noticed it as well. It's very noticeable, and the weight of it, too, like, it shouldn't be that much of a difference, but you can tell the men's ball is much heavier than the women's ball. And you know, like I said, shooting around with a men's ball and then shooting with a women's ball—it's a—it's an adjustment. Like I'll, you know, we'll be at the gym. I'll be shooting with the men's ball. Then, like I said, my son uses the women's ball because it's a little smaller for him. I'll switch to that, and it is a, quite the adjustment for me to make to like have to be able to shoot differently. So, I'm with you. Florida State would have had to shout, shoot with that ball as well. They're not switching it out like a football every other possession. So. I'm with you. Like Florida State would notice it too. They would be complaining on that side as well. I don't think they're practicing with a men's ball all year, and then every game they play, they're playing with a women's ball. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and again, if you're going to have an issue, if you are a Major League Baseball pitcher and you walk out to the mound and you throw a couple pitches and you go, gosh, that doesn't seem like uh, this is 60 feet 6 inches from the rubber to home plate. You don't wait till the bottom of the fifth inning to approach the umpire. You know, if you don't think first base is 90 feet from home plate, you don't wait till the third inning. You talk about it right away. I've seen them do it in in basketball games during a timeout. I've seen the official go get a tape because somebody's saying, hey, I don't like that rim. My players are saying that the rim isn't right, and I've seen them take a look at it. And and sometimes if something's not right, they'll fix it. And But in this case, it feels like sour grapes, and I think it's one of these cases where a team that just didn't perform well that should be looking inward is looking at the basketball and blaming that for the fact that they lost to Florida State. I get it. You wanted to beat Florida State. I understand that. You didn't do it. Maybe you should be focused on making more shots, making more free throws, not turning the ball over as much, uh, different starting lineup. Uh, or you can point your finger at the basketball. 
and say, hey, we're not taking away from anything away from Florida State, but we don't think that that was uh, a women's basketball that was used in the game. I think it's a, I think it's ridiculous. And if you waited until halftime to notice it and call it to the attention of the referees, that's bad coaching. Um, and that's on you. All right, coming up, uh, we've got what's on tap for the weekend. I'm going to tell you about all the big things going on this weekend. If you want to read me exclusively now, you have to read me at johnconzano.com. That's where you get my columns. You get them delivered to your email inbox every day. Tomorrow morning, get the, the weekly mailbag. It's always fun. Got fun questions. Got the best questions again this week. But if you want to get my columns, go to johnconzano.com. Make sure you get a free subscription, paid subscription. Whatever works for you works for me. Leave it here. Back to the bald Face truth with John Canzano on 750, the game. Remember to trot out that excuse if uh, you are uh, if you ever lose a one-on-one game. I don't think that's a regulation-sized basketball. Trot that one out. Blame the wind. Blame the weather. Blame the court. Or you could just go, hey, you were better than me today. Uh, I lost. I got. I have some work to do. I don't know. Keep an eye on that. Uh, we have the Super Bowl coming up uh, next weekend. That's going to be a big deal. Uh, obviously, the Eagles and the Chiefs will be playing, and we'll talk about it all next week. And uh, that should be a lot of fun. But uh, you've got uh, the Pro Bowl coming up. And you also have uh, some of these wild Pro Bowl events that are taking place that are all coming up on uh, Sunday. How do you watch the game? Where do you watch the game? What will it be? Well, we're going to give you all of that and more as part of What's on Tap. Now, it's time for What's on Tap and What's on TV at the Independent on the BFT. Well, the Pro Bowl, as you know, was split between a couple of days. Skills competition uh, started on Thursday, yesterday. But 7-on-7 tournament on Sunday at noon Pacific time. Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. It'll air on ESPN and ABC. You can also live stream it on the ESPN app. Uh, Check it out noon on Sunday for the Pro Bowl. Uh, The NBA, you want uh, some NBA action for your weekend? Uh, The NBA would love to have your attention and your eyeballs on the games. Uh, It's uh, interesting because I... I always uh, tend to focus on the Trailblazers. I think more Blazer fans than anything else probably listening to this show. But Blazers uh, will be playing a Saturday game. And uh, I just got a pop-up on my screen, unfortunately. Saturday on Root Sports, Bulls at the Blazers. Uh, Also, by the way, anybody else notice that the Trailblazers, like the NBA version of the Blazers website, just gives you, like, all kinds of pop-ups and garbage? Like, you know, it's too much. It's NASCAR. Anyway, Saturday... It'll be 5 o'clock, Bulls at the Blazers on Root Sports Plus. Check out the Blazers as uh, they are trying to get to 500 and stay above 500. Uh, today they are uh, playing the Wizards now. Are they going to lose to the Wizards right now, guys? Uh, I mean, they're making a comeback here, but, uh, yeah, they'll probably lose. It's a good match for them. Wizards, Blazers, about even. Uh, there you go. That's what's on tap this weekend. Will you guys watch any of the Pro Bowl stuff? No, no, not at all. Not at all? No, You're not curious? No, zero, zero percent. Pro Bowls, all-star games, those just, they're just not for me. They're, they're not marketed for me. Um, like, even the, you know, 
NBA All-Star Saturday night, three-point contest, dunk contest. I mean, I might watch those just because, you know, I'm a bigger basketball guy than anything, but th- that kind of stuff just doesn't interest me. I think uh, uh, you say it's not for you. Um, I think you're probably right. I think they're probably trying to capture younger viewers. Uh, spreading it over two days, it just feels like they're filling content. Um, I think the Super Bowl is uh, obviously the highlight package. Do you think the Pro Bowl being the week before takes away from the Super Bowl? I think it does. I think I think this Pro Bowl should come after the Super Bowl. But then again, I'm, I'm sure ESPN is looking for something, and ABC is looking for something to put on in front of the Super Bowl, and, and they're using it as a promotional opportunity to get that done. Well, Any ch- well this, year, yeah. this year, Anna was talking about the XFL. The XFL is coming the week after the Super Bowl. So there's already yeah. programming now for after that Super Bowl. So you so it by by the way, um, somebody asked me. Somebody just reached out and said, "Hey, in the Pro Bowl in prior years, was there a rule against tackling?" No, there was no official rule against tackling, but there was kind of a gentleman's agreement to do very to do very little tackling. It doesn't work in football. I think the skills thing is going to be fine, but again, like Stephen, not for me, not for Peter. Who's watching this then? Football guy, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think football guys watching it. No, I don't. Maybe I, I have no idea that. But it usually gets like good ratings, right? I mean, not obviously mm-hmm. not like what they would for an actual game, but the ratings are always pretty good. I don't know. I don't because I don't know anybody that like sets out and be like, you know what? I, I need to go watch the Pro Bowl today. I, I think you get a lot of people put it on the TV and don't pay attention because there's ratings and then there's ratings. And if the TV is on, that counts as ratings, even if you're doing everything but actually paying attention to that absolutely yawn fest of an event. But there also might be – I always feel like there's a little bit of uh, – it's a little skewed anyway because I think sometimes the household that's probably more interested in being a Nielsen household might be like – it might have somebody in it who is a diehard TV watcher or a diehard sports watcher viewer who's going, hey, I got to choose between the Bulls Blazers game on Saturday. Who's just going to be consuming sports 24/7? Which which uh, All Star game does it the best in your mind? Ooh. Um, which sport? MLS. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean honestly, yeah, it is. MLS would be the answer. You think it, I think Major League Baseball. I I like that the game has mattered over the years in different ways than they've tried to do some things other than the game that went extra extra innings and they ran out of pitchers and then they just called it. Uh, other than that, I used to tune did in you, though because did yeah, you like the, sorry did you like the gimmick of whoever won the All Star game that mattered that was home field mm-hmm. and World Series? Not so much, not so much. But I think in baseball, you know, there's individual. It, baseball is really an individual team game. In a weird way, like you're, it's you against the pitcher, and your team benefits from it. It's you know, it's it's you're in space in the outfield, and the ball's hit to you. It's you. It's not tennis or golf in that way, but it's an individual team sport where, like you know, you have an individual assignment, and it's you against the pitcher in that situation as a hitter, or it's the pitcher against the hitter if you're out on the mound. And what I always loved about the All Star Game back in the day was it was our first time that we like if you were a National League fan who watched your National League team all the time. It was the only time you got to see some of the guys in the American League. And when baseball started putting all of the games on television or more and more games on television, and even with the advent of WGN and TBS seeing more Braves and Cubs games, you got to see some of these other players. But, you know, with interleague play 
where you're getting crossover matchups, it lost, the All-Star game lost some luster because it was the first time, you know, you got to see Goose Gossage on the mound for the Yankees trying to strike out Steve Garvey, like, and not in a World Series. So, like, that was fun to me, watching that element of the All-Star game. I don't need it to mean something, and I think it's kind of weird that, you know, a bunch of guys who aren't going to play in the World Series are competing for very few players who are out there on the field who will actually play in the game, and we're trying to determine who gets the home field, who doesn't get the home field. I just like, it should just alternate. American League, National League every year just alternates who has the home field advantage uh, in baseball. But I like baseball because you you get to see some things. It gives you Randy Johnson against John Cruck in an all-star game back in the day. It gives you, um, you know, Ichiro. It gives you uh, a chance to see, um, you know, just some players that you, you don't often get to see. Shohei Otani gets to be a star. And it's, it becomes all about him. And, and the game can be played at full speed in baseball. In the NBA, in the NFL, certainly, and, and, and in hockey, to some respect, they they kind of don't play the real game. And in baseball, I think the players are playing hard. And I think, you know, if there's a ball in the gap, the outfielder's diving for it. And the shortstop's playing like it's a real game. I think the only thing that is different is maybe, you know, other than Pete Rose, you're not going to see somebody try to break up a double play or knock a catcher over. But by and large, you know, Randy Johnson's not taking something off his fastball. Shohei's not going to take something off his fastball in an all-star game. In fact, he might, he might find a little extra in an all-star game because these are the best players. I also like with the MLB how they do, you know, the Rising Stars game, just like NBA does, but they do the prospect game as well. Like, I think that's a nice showcase as well to show some of the top prospects in all of baseball. And, you know, baseball is such a diverse game. You know, you're bringing guys from all different countries over, and I think it's just a good celebration for that because it's like like you said, these guys are going hard, and they're going to play their hard, especially these prospects in that game because in the NBA, it's all about the dunks. It's all about, you know, the, how far you can shoot it. It's not a real game. It's an all-star game. It's an exhibition. But in that, you know, the the uh, prospect game for the Major League Baseball all-star game, like they, they are going hard. They want to prove themselves and make a point that they uh, should be, you know, a higher prospect than they are. I mean, all you need to do is – look at the scores of Major League Baseball All-Star games versus like an average regular season game, and you don't often get, you know, you don't get 16 to 14 in an All-Star game, but you get that in an NBA-style game where, you know, they're in, it's not unusual to see them score 140, 160 points, and, and it's, we know it's no defense. It's all about just dunks and letting the players kind of showcase themselves, and then once in a while you get a, a defender who says, okay, I'm not going to let you score, and there's like a like a 12-second moment of real basketball that gets played. But I I like the baseball All-Star game because I think it's the closest approximation of the real sport. I think hockey is closer than the NBA and certainly the NFL when it comes to being real. I would love our listeners to weigh in on this. 503-417-7575. Tell me what All-Star game works for you. And, there may, and if you're out there and you're like, hey, I'm okay with seeing – an NBA All-Star game where it's 182, you know, to uh, 180, and, and that's fine if that's your thing. Or I like the novelty of seeing the player. If that's for you, I want to hear from you because I can be talked out of my position. As Steven said, maybe this game isn't for us. You tell us. Leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
I want to know what you think of the All-Star Games. What do you think of the Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, All-Star Games? What works for you? What doesn't? Uh, Andrew's in Tiger. Go ahead. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, John. John, love the show. Hey, so I've been watching All-Star Games for the last 25 years, and the NFL, when the players actually cared, and it wasn't just like two-hand touch like it is now, like it was great. But I have to agree with you, baseball's progressively gotten better over the years, and you know, I love, you know, watching all these different guys, even though, you know, we have the interleague play. But I just wanted to touch on, you know, Portland doesn't only have, you know, Damian Lillard going to the All-Star game this year. For the last, as long as I've known him, nine-plus years, uh, Portland's had uh, their, their game operations guy, Todd Bosma, who's been a uh, who's been an All-Star, you know, you know, going to all these different all-star games throughout the country and producing, you know, a quarter. But, you know, he's he's the guy that's not, you know, you know, doesn't get a lot of talk. So I kind of wanted to, you know, I heard you guys talking about all-star games. I kind of wanted to, you know, shout him out as the, as, you know, Portland's other all-star, uh, you know, uh, all-star game, you know, person that gets to you know go and be there so yeah you know i just you know i just wanted to you know love the show love you know love yeah. the pulse after after Thank after you. you and i think they need a couple more hours but uh you know peter, you want to work a couple more out. hours in the, in yeah. the evening peter sampson what do you got on the pulse coming up oh man you know how we do on a friday got a little something in my glass to celebrate the weekend we'll talk the Kyrie Irving nonsense and uh just cut loose have a good time uh, it, it's always fun on a Friday. Um, it, uh, to me, is interesting to see that the guy wanted to talk about the game operations manager for the Blazers forever, Todd Bosma, who does a great job uh, with operations. I, I think the Blazers do a pretty good job with that. I, you know, as, as you travel around and see different teams and what they do during breaks in the action – it becomes evident that like there's a lot of regurgitation around the league, but uh, you can have some drinks on air. Yeah, on a Friday. What What are you drinking? Uh, my friend uh, Justin, uh, who's a fan of the program, uh, he also works for Great Notion Brewery, so he swung by today with a uh, couple high quality, tasty adult beverages. I like that. Yeah. Are you doing cooking tips too? Are you going to do like a Super Bowl? Here's what you should have on your spread. A show next week like for your Super Bowl Sunday bro I should and uh, honestly that did not occur to me but now that you've brought it up 100 yeah. I'm gonna do that next week yeah because you could go you could you could dive deep on it and you know right. you could get a guest you could get a guest from like different restaurants who gives you kind of like here's a here's a tip for your preparing your wings or whatever it is that you're gonna talk about stuffed mushrooms whatnot but uh, I think that would be a uh, public service that you could do all week next week. It's brilliant. I'm literally reaching out to uh, a Blazer superfan chef right now on Twitter. Thank you for the tip. Yeah, see? See, Stephen? What else? What do you need, Stephen? I'll give you a tip. Clean your gutters out. Okay? All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Sounds terrible, you get this okay. weekend. Okay, so if, if nobody's watching the NFL Pro Bowl stuff, and, you know, we have very – we have a Saturday NBA game in Portland, and if nobody's watching the Pro Bowl stuff, it's college basketball weekend. 
I'm going to watch Oregon play Arizona State on Saturday night. That's going to be a big game. I agree, and I think um, I think the Ducks got a shot. And I know they didn't I play. Do. I didn't. I, I know they didn't play great against Arizona. You talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, but uh, you know, we, we were talking about this at Spirit Mountain. Like I, I think Arizona State is a spot where you can fade them a little bit. Bobby Hurley, you know, he's an okay coach, but he's one of those coaches where they get out really quickly out of the season, and then they usually start tailing off by the end. I think this is where Arizona State takes a little nosedive, and they've kind of done yeah. that already. I think this is a game where the Ducks can get them after their uh, poor performance against Arizona. So I, I kind of like the Ducks in that one. Yeah, I do too. And I think, you know, Oregon's been up and down. It's clear that Arizona came to play in last night's game. And I think from the go, from go, Oregon didn't really have a chance. But Arizona State, to me, I believed in them about a month ago. And they they had, uh, you know, won a couple of games in a row. They were playing good basketball. I like what Bobby Hurley does as a coach. I do think he's a good coach. And I was kind of looking at his roster going, gosh, he's got six transfers, he's starting four transfers, he's figured out the transfer portal. Good for him. So I flew down to Tempe. As you know, we did the show there on Friday. I saw the Thursday game. I saw the Saturday game, and they didn't play well. And and USC and UCLA, both uh, USC in particular, Andy Enfield, zoned him, and Arizona State did not shoot well. And then in subsequent games, I think they played at Washington State too, and Washington State zoned them, and they didn't play well. I kind of wondered if Bobby Hurley's team was in a spiral. And then they win last night, and in the post-game news conference, Hurley comes in and he says, hey, we are uh, we got to win. It was nice for the guys to, you know, I'm paraphrasing him here, but it was nice for the guys to win a game, but now we need to see if we can carry that forward into the Oregon game. Oregon's a very different team than Oregon State. I think Oregon is a top half of the conference team. I think Oregon State is a bottom half of the conference team right now. And, and I think... For Dana Altman in Oregon, this now becomes a must-win because last night it flashed up on the TV screen during the Oregon game. They basically said, here's the projection of tournament teams, and they had, you know, of course, UCLA and Arizona in the tournament, and they had USC and Arizona State uh, either right on the bubble or in the tournament. Now, those are the kinds of games that Oregon needs to win. Those are the four teams that, you know, Oregon's playing three more of those games in the next uh, three weeks. So they're going to get both L.A. schools after this Arizona State game, but they have to get this one. If the next month is going to be successful for Dana Allman, they have to beat Arizona State on Saturday. Let me ask I, you this real quick. Yeah. No, sorry. Um, for the for the conference, for the Pac-12 conference, do you think it would be better if Arizona State were to win this game uh, just to get as many teams as you can in the tournament? I, I, this is one of those games where if Arizona State loses at home, it's not a bad loss. But it's one of those games where you look at when you're picking teams to be in the tournament and you're like, you got to beat teams like the Ducks at home. And then if Oregon, is that going to be enough to get them into the tournament? Like, Not I, enough I, to get them in. Yeah, but, like I think as a yeah. conference, you almost would want Arizona State to win this game if you're just a Pac-12 fan. I don't know because I, don't, I just don't, tr- I don't trust either one of those teams. And I, and I think right now there are only three teams in this conference that their coaches probably trust, and it's UCLA, Arizona, USC. Uh, they're playing the best basketball. Uh, but conference tournament's going to be wild because we've seen Utah beat Arizona. We've seen uh, Arizona beat UCLA. We've seen USC beat UCLA. We've seen UCLA beat USC. We've, we, you know, everybody, it's like, it's almost like the football matchup. So I think the conference's best chance is to get UCLA, Arizona, and USC into the tournament through the selection committee. And then 
have somebody like Oregon or Arizona State or Utah win the conference tournament. And um, even a sleeper pick that I've heard people talk about is Washington State. They've got a big guy who's pretty good, and they have a win over Arizona. And it's they've been a, a very strange 5-8 and eight team in conference play that has been dangerous. So have, have somebody else get the automatic berth that isn't one of the top three schools in the conference. I think that's the key for this conference. But it's I think it's slim pickings. I think it's going to be, as we look back, I think it's going to be a disappointing year. And then I think, you know, if we talk about the last year that UCLA and USC will spend in this conference, it's going to be next football season, and then it's going to be next basketball season. And frankly, we saw USC go to the to the uh, football conference championship game, and UCLA was pretty good. And they're two of the top three teams right now in conference play. They might end up one, two, UCLA, USC. Who knows? And I think that there's going to be some talk about, hey, are the best two programs in football and men's basketball leaving for the Big Ten? And how, how much does that hurt? So there's part of me that kind of wants to see Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, Utah assert themselves here down the stretch and, and maybe uh, knock that imbalance out because otherwise we're looking at a year spent talking about, hey, the conference is losing the L.A. schools in football and they're also losing the L.A. schools in basketball. And, man, that really hurts this conference. And I think it's a, it's a real danger uh, as you look forward to that. Uh, Peter Sampson and the Pulse is coming up. It's going to be a lively show. It always is. He's great off the top of the show. I encourage you, if you're listening now, don't touch that dial. Just leave it locked in right here on 750 The Game. Uh, I want you all to have a great weekend. I hope that uh, you get, uh, get stuff done and, in some cases, get nothing done. That's what the weekend is supposed to be. I, I will encourage you to celebrate the victories that you have, the little things in life. I told Anna when she left the studio earlier, I said, hey, we got to celebrate with the girls tonight. She's like, celebrate what? And I was like, we just got to celebrate. Celebrate something that happened to them, something they did this week. Celebrate a victory and a win. Like, uh, I think you got to do that in your family. Uh, but I want you to have a great weekend. Grab a podcast of this show. If, you are, uh, if you're somebody who likes to listen uh, over the weekend, uh, we had some great interviews this week. Dennis Erickson was on the show. Uh, you know, often uh, I uh, I go back and listen to some of the interviews. Erickson is one of those interviews I really enjoyed talking with the uh, former Oregon State coach about his time at Oregon State and his career in Jonathan Smith. A lot of fun there. Uh, and we're back next week with a heavy football, Super Bowl, fallout from recruiting week, uh, signing day shows all next week on the BFT, and I hope you're here for it. Thank you to Stephen, thank you to Peter, to Judah, all of the interns, the Army interns, and most of all, you listeners.